Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ben Griffin Podcast, Episode 4. It's the first group podcast. Today, I get to bring in some of my friends, being Jack, Dan, and Logan, who have been on or will be on podcasts in the future, to discuss a multitude of different ideas and topics and kind of see where the conversation carries us rather than the usual scripts. It's more of a special end-of-the-month thing for me where I get to bring in some people that I find really interesting or bring back people from past podcasts such as Jack and kind of revisit some ideas. But in this case, our conversation and our tempo is all over the place. We have a ton of fun with this one, so I hope you enjoy listening to it. With that, let's get started. Live from the ward. Welcome to the podcast. You've done four of these already? Yeah, I've got no life, Kermit. Who the fuck would <laughs> listen to this? Uh, I don't know. Actually, some Spaniards, a couple Germans, one guy yeah, Dutch. Diverse, I see. Yeah, very diverse of white people. Well, now you have a frog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I got to get better guess. I, um, just hasn't worked out yeah, for me, Jesus you know. Christ. You're the only person that I could pay with, like, bacon. I can't pay. I have to pay everyone Is else. Is that a Miss Piggy joke? Yeah. Actually, don't don't cool. cut through the BS right now, man. We're trying to do a radio skit. That's not cool, man. You you're the one that bought the bacon. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I, nothing. I'm just stating the facts. How's your wife feel about? Yeah. That, how's your wife doing? How's your wife doing, Kermit? Where did the don't bacon know, um, come from? Yeah. Like, do we need to open up an investigation? That's a long story. <laughs> oh my god. But um, Peta comes in. <laughs> Wrapped in banners, naked. <laughs> oh my God! As Peta does. So Kermit, how you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty well. How's, how's life been? Uh, pretty good. I have a lot of bacon. <laughs> I've been a making lot of a bacon. Lot of money. Dude, yeah, I've been shoveling that thing over like it's crack. I mean, it's insane. Oh he goes God, through it like crazy, dude. It's insane. I was at Colburn's okay. like for three hours. Yeah, he just snorts it. He cuts it up into bacon Snort. bits and snorts it up his nose. Do you know how bad in life you have to be to Kermit. snort bacon Kermit, you, up your Kermit, nose? Do you have a nose? No. <laughs> I don't even have... He's got two nubs. Nobody knows. I've He's got, got two nubs. I've got shoved up my ass so I can speak. <laughs> how do you think this works? <laughs> and he's got a stick attached it's to his joke. hand <laughs> just to wave this it around. This piggy isn't real. That's a I'm fucking lie. And you know it. This is getting really existential now. <laughs> Welcome to the fourth... Edition of the podcast, wow. as you know, I'm being Ben uh, Griffin, everybody. Yeah, Ben Griffin, welcome. What an opening, man! What, what an man. opening, right? No, but as you notice, as you're listening, is we have four people instead of the usual just one on one. Wait, I get we a have chance four? To. I haven't even heard the fourth. Me, I'm four. One, two, three, four. I'm joined by okay, the ward. Then, then two has not talked yet. Uh, Logan. Jack didn't graduate from uh, high school, <laughs> so that's probably why he can't count. But <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. At oh some my point. God! It takes a minute for him to catch up. This is the first like official show I've done in the ward, so that's why I've decided to bring on a group as the end of the month special. I've got Jack returning from episode two. We got Logan on his first time, and we got Dan, aka Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. But yep. this is the first official end of the month special usually i'll have groups on from 
well, just going forward, I try to like bring people in or have it returners come back to bring something up that I might have missed. And we're the only group the month. that Ben is actually friends with. So I hate everyone equally. Oh, wait, <laughs> I think that's a quote from me. Yeah. In the last podcast. Yeah. I, I listened to the in editing a little too much and I realized, you know what? This guy's right. We should have equal amounts of hate we're spread diverse across a flower. Uh, you gotta, you gotta give relative energy to everybody, okay? You can't be putting all your energy towards one person and like five percent towards another. It's just not fair to them. Maybe that's how I'll open from now on. Maybe I'll just, hey, welcome, fuck you, <laughs> just hey, skim right over welcome. that. Remember, yeah. I hate all of you equally. Yeah, I so think we that's... can't have any equity issues here, okay? Yeah, all you... right. Glad yeah. we got that over with. Yeah, <laughs> you be anti-nutrition. I'll be like the anti-reading rainbow. I'll just tell you how you can't do it. Yeah, remember how they ended every show? They'd be like, "You can do it as long as you read," and then yeah. the guy'd make this weird that like. That shit little... motivated me, dude. Was yeah, I, uh, yeah, I would go against it. I'd be anti. So anti want, means you against. Want everyone to be illiterate, then? Why? Not no. I just want everyone to hate themselves what and hate everyone else equally. Oh, okay. It's just a figure of speech, dude. You can't do that to me. Can't do that to you. Dan was locked Green in the basement for a while, so Green he didn't want to know about rainbows. So you're going to have to explain that one then. Whatever happened to Reading Rainbow? Like, where'd it go? I have no idea. Yeah, it just like, it. it was something of our childhood, and then it disappeared. It, it was it just was, What even gone. was it? That's the other thing. I actually don't remember what no. it was. I just remember it popping up after Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Was yeah, it like it did. a PBS thing? It was. It was. Was it? It was like wasn't a... Wasn't it kind of a program to try and get kids more involved with reading? I mean, it, that would make sense, reading I mean, Rainbow. Reading Rainbow, I know, right? Yeah, but, but it also did stuff, it would like, it almost was like a mini documentary where they'd go to a certain yeah. location, cover like, what it's like to be a tiger trainer or something at the zoo. That's the one I remember. Okay. Well, a liger. Here's, here's, what here's what I'm going to say, though. Zabumafu? Zabumafu was, oh, Zabumafu has a grandson. Um, here's, here's what I will say. <laughs> what? What's his name? <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> you, oh. They had to start, they had to start um, the alphabet over. His name is Barumafu. No, <laughs> Barumafu. <laughs> Um, no, here's what I'm gonna say. It, did any of you experience read naturally when you were in school when you were younger, like middle school? No, I don't. That, really implies, know that implies that I learned how to read. Ooh, that's yeah, a, you read, That's a you really read. good point. No, um, I know, I've never heard of that. Read, no. read naturally was like this packet that they would give you, and it would like have a story about like some specific animal or like historical figure, like yada yada yada. Whole entire point. It's like a second grade reading level, and they're just trying to get you like more comfortable with reading. Fun fact, Daniel. It was written. Never fucking call me Daniel again. It's Kermit for you. Anyways, Daniel. Um, <laughs> all right, Frog. It was all of those were written by Tom Weber. Really? Mm-hmm. This I would be really that. interesting if I knew who Tom Weber was. Yeah, yeah about guys. Is uh, a total that. inside scoop. Mm, that's, no. I'm, I'm Tom Weber was one of our English teachers from high school. Oh, okay. And uh, apparently, he wrote all these things called Renaturally, which were like um, a way for you to learn how to to read. So, uh, Dan, you might want to pick one of those up every now and again. Read a little. I don't know, man. I'm in college. Like, <laughs> I don't need to do that. Uh, Zabumafu did have, uh looks like, five grandchildren, and the fifth was named Isabella. Oh, That's really close to Zabumafu. I'm glad they did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't know. That's those, the brothers that did it are called the Krat brothers. One's Chris, and I think the other one's called Martin. Chris and Martin. I think that's their name. But they still got a show going on called Wild Kratz. And really? they're, yeah, they're still doing their thing. Really? Yeah. Heck yeah, they do. That's awesome. But can you imagine just going into business with your brother and that's what you've done your whole life is since you were young, you were on television, you were, you know, zoology, following around a lemur. 
<laughs> what do you what do you say to people? Well, you just like I mean, they're twins, aren't they? I think if they're not, they're pretty close. They don't look the su- super yeah, similar. Gotta, to in me. my in my family, with my brothers, the closest is nine years. I think. Really. He was born in nineteen eighty nine, so eight eight years. So oh, when yeah. I think of you know going into business with one of one of my brothers, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not exactly, not exactly the greatest business deal i don't know then again my brothers are married and have kids so which by the way um my brother joe is gonna have a kid oh, oh congratulations to your brother for my oh niece 19 grandchildren 19 so yeah for a little bit of context here daniel uh tell us a little bit about your family <laughs> also before we start that there's a three-year difference between the crap brothers martin is three years older yeah. than chris at 53 so that's like that's like me and my younger sister okay so in my family, I have seven older siblings, the oldest of which is 17 years older than me. My parents are in their 60s, and we have 18 nieces and nephews or grandchildren from my parents going on the 19th right now. Dang. You How have, do you keep uh, their names straight? I don't. Thanks for the shameless no, answer. <laughs> the only not, one, the only one, like, legitimately, I, okay, my the, dad comes from a family where they had almost 60 cousins. Well, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty because cool. it was I mean, a big farm family. I mean, my mom has a hundred first cousins. That's yeah. Ugh. Uh, I have eleven first cousins, so that's that's dude. That's pretty legit. Hey, high five to that. Honestly, oh yeah. Uh, if you round up on that one, you get close to hundred. Welcome to the Ben Griffin podcast, where we compare families and high five over <laughs> relative things that shouldn't matter. No, Alabama. So, are you king shaming me? You know what I can say to that. Actually, his kink. So. That's where we were going with that. Sorry, Dan. We kept cutting you off. Sorry. <sighs> I was just going to say that the only ones I actually have a trouble trouble with is the I have identical twin nephews. Oh, okay. And I don't see them often enough to know like yeah. the subtle differences because like mannerisms there's barely, and stuff. There's barely a difference. I just know that Caleb is more emotional and Jacob is not. But since I don't see them, it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. Other but than that, the new ones are hard to know because well, I haven't met half well, of the new they're, ones. They're like newborns, but yep. from the perspective of like the twins, have you noticed that like they're starting to get some of those like environmental influences that are like pointing in either direction? Or are they still pretty? What do you mean by environmental? Like, like you know, obviously from a genetic or like a like they're they're genetically identical, but like has the environment started to point them in opposite directions of what their personality is going to look like? Well, I kind of touched on it briefly from what I know because I rarely get to see them. And from what it seems, Caleb is far more emotional. He's like me and my dad where we're, we're more prone to kind of intense emotions that are tough to handle, whereas Jacob is not. Jacob is a lot more like my Uncle Jim, who's my dad's twin brother, who's just kind of a goofball and oh. kind of loves to screw around and doesn't take things too seriously. But you know he's like any other kid, so it's they're they're like eight, eight mm. or nine. So okay. at this point, you're still kind of learning who they are. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that so. uh, I th- they're both really into collecting rocks. They're like super uh-huh. into geology, which at yeah. that age is surprising to me. But well, I mean, as long as it's not like those twins that we had last year. For some people, they'll probably figure this out from other podcasts. You're my former roommate from last year. We yes. had two twins that lived on our floor that had some like avocado plant in the jar. Do you remember that? No. It was in the jar. lounge. Dude, it wasn't an avocado. It was like an algae. It wasn't an yeah, algae. They, like were, they were like they were like growing disgusting. like a yeah, brain in a jar. Oh, 
you know I them. Know who you're talking about. Yeah, they're now yes. uh, Isaiah and Leo, or Isaiah, Alex, all those guys' neighbors at the apartments. So, really? Yeah. Okay. They live right below them, and they always say hello to me like they know me. I guess they do. They're nice guys. They are nice. They're really nice guys. It's just I always think of that jar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the think Kelp about Brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god. Yeah. No, but. Uh, this is Logan. Yeah. You had something to add? Uh, nothing too important to add over here. I just was like, why are they? Why? Why is it in the lounge? Dude, is they're the soggy bottom the boys. So they wanted it in the window for something. Yeah, they placed it in the window because I don't know. I mean, with sunlight? need some light, dude. Apparently, photosynthesis. And that's really all you have to do. It's really inspiration for when people were in the lounge doing homework and they could yeah. really look at this jar and. Uh, well, okay. To be honest, at first, brain cell? I thought it was like. A giant pickle jar that just went bad. Okay. And they were just like, screw it. Let's <laughs> see what happens. We're just going to leave our diseased food in the in the lounge. Which, okay, that's not living in Tommy last year. It wasn't the craziest juniors, thing. It wasn't the craziest thing you could have seen. Like, no. I put a fruit there. I don't even remember the fruit. It was I, a grapefruit. Grapefruit I found in a parking lot. Yeah, you put it. I don't know why you did that. But why not? What are we even talking? I, I found I a grapefruit in a parking that. lot after I went to the law with you guys, and I was driving Dan back. Yeah, and I found a Keep grapefruit. In mind, I was the drunk one. <laughs> I'm always I'm sweet and steady. Anyway, I found an <laughs> I found <laughs> I found this fruit <laughs> in the middle of the woods. I was like, this you is gonna be fruit. funny. How'd you find said fruit? In Don't you tell woods? me? Because nature called. Nature called. Oh, nature okay. called. But I ran it back Nature to the door. and it responded. <laughs> I responded <laughs> to respond. Nature's call. Anyway, I found this fruit, and I was like, this would be funny to put in Isaiah's window because they're our neighbors. And when those windows open, if you put something there just right, it can crush it because, you know, they slide over each other. They're yeah. not like break yeah, opens. Yeah, yeah. So I thought if I put it on the rails for this window, when they open it at night, which they always did, it would crush this fruit and get all like the juices and some of the you know the shit all over the window, and I thought that would be hilarious to have it smell like grapefruits all the time. No purpose, no reason. I was just you know <laughs> up, and <laughs> I ended up putting it in the lobby or the commons area on Tommy One for a while, and then I quickly removed it because I was like, I live here. I don't even want to do that to myself. Such it, a good man. If anything, that's the be. sort of thing what you want to do to a uh, different dorm, and it just. Drop him a grapefruit one of those days. I, I thought about Tommy, giving it to Benny. It'd like be a really good prank. Well, so uh, one of the things that the wrestling team <laughs> would do to first years is we'd go get ice cream and then oh, we'd find one of the first year windows. You're those people. I get yeah. it. Oh, I've seen yeah. that before. Yeah. I never, part, stuck I, never I never took part in it, but... Were those oh, those okay, on the dude. <laughs> but I, I, I laughed swear, at it. I yeah. I never, <laughs> and I no, laughed I never hard. even witnessed it. I just knew they talked about it. And then some of the first years... They'd be like, you want to get some ice cream? We'd be like, nah, I'm good. But And then they would be like, no, but we're going to go throw it at so-and-so's window. And I'm like, cool. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> do something yeah. else. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what some of the Dude, you were a bystander. Like. You're still guilty. <laughs> Someone should Did you learn nothing? Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> yes, I am a bystander that's what looking for? to a run by ice creaming. Ice <laughs> I don't know how to. It was a drive by <laughs> fruiting. <laughs> this is uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yes, dear. Oh, hello. Oh, hello, <laughs> darling. Clint Eastwood. 
<laughs> He's such a stud muffin. Stud Did muffin. you ever hear the story about Robin Williams staying in character for a day in uh, San Francisco as Mrs. Doubtfire? And he no. went to an adult bookstore oh, as Lord. Mrs. Doubtfire? I think that would be This amazing. is a very famous story. He goes into an adult bookstore and he finds the biggest dildo imaginable. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and he goes, does. he goes, does this come in a different color? <laughs> 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 or do you have something a bit larger, perhaps? <laughs> I should really find the clip and just send it to you because the look on whoever's working in that store has just oh, got to be like, it. oh, uh, they didn't film it. I imagine what me, it looked uh, like. Excuse me, ma'am. You mean larger? Larger? Oh, what? my dear be- boy. You have be surprised what I could fit in here after all these years. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Bad, bad pictures. You're this out. is why I get the E. On my spot. <laughs> <laughs> this is why this is explicit. This is why. This is what. No, it's fine. It's. I was talking to. Um, I, I won't say the names because it's not polite to pull somebody's name out that I haven't given courtesy or consent to. But the head of our media department here gave me, you know, like sound clips, intro music, and all that. Very generous. And he sits me down. And he goes, "So you're doing a podcast?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to be doing this podcast." And yada yada yada. And, we're talking for like five minutes, and after like the seventh minute, he pulls out the idea of, well, we can post it for you on behalf, and you can be like one of our branches to the tree of this network, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what fucking disease branch this is, but... <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. We keep talking, and he's like, we'll get you intro music and blah, 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 and he's like, he's pulling up all the sounds, we're picking it all out, and I'm like, wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> there's, a, there's a catch-22 here. Yeah, because he, he's like, man, I'd love to have a discussion show. I'd love to have just kind of this idea of general curiosity going. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Great. You know, whatever. And uh, then I all of a sudden realized I just, I, I just did like a four-and-a-half-hour day of podcasting, and I don't think I went an hour without using the F word. And he goes, well, I stop and I say that. I say this is what's, you know, I use language because I don't want to hide how people talk, you know, and I'm just trying to be blatant and obvious. Like I'm going to have people on that that's in their everyday speech. That's just the way it is. And other people aren't. And that's just the way it is. And I'm not going to try to color code it. I'm not going to try to, you know, dress up a pig, so to speak. And he's like, Oh, that's fine. You know, I, as long as you're not saying anything discriminatory. (laughs) Oh, and then he laughs. What have you done? I haven't done anything, but the thing that I was laughing about is, when you're running this, and I, I told him, I'm like, I am open to all conversations. You're going to criticize people. You're going to say this is this probably isn't going to work the best. If I came up to Jack, like we talked about anti-nutrition, I say in quotes, because that's not exactly what we talked about, but it's the idea you know, of how we tagged it. If I disagree with him and I criticize him, that could be seen as probably poor favor, you know, because I'm using a branch to attack another student. Or if I had a person of color on, because I'm going to be having a couple of them coming on. I had Jonathan. If I came at Jonathan, what's the difference? I'm making this really simple, but long story short, I was like, I with my explicit and what, what I'm talking about and the general nature of questions that I have, there's no way I'm not going to step over a line at some point. Right, and someone might And somebody's going to feel it. But at the same time, it's like, if I can't make those mistakes, if I can't make error, and if I can't step over the line once in a while... How, how, how am I going to get better? Like, how am I going to become well, better? You and know? In, in podcast two, we talked about gender studies, didn't we? 
Was that me and you? I I'm sorry. So. I've done I, so many hours. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we went off on a whole entire tangent about talking about how, like, We talked about studies, fat studies, I remember. Yeah, something along those lines. But I think I just kind of delved into the overall topics of, like, some of these uh, social studies in general. And so it's like, from my perspective, it's like, you could do a lot of really cool stuff with gender studies, mm-hmm. but I think it became so political that they just took it an entirely different direction. Yeah. And it's like, that's my own opinion. Like, you, you feel free to disagree with me. Yeah. But the point is, is that, yeah, again, if, you know, if we're going to... But then this would be considered about, criticizing. Like, oh, wait, yeah. hold on. Like, now you're being critical of people yeah. that may have chosen a gender studies major here at our yeah. college. And it just well, made me... More importantly, they don't have an opportunity as of right now to speak, you know, to express why they disagree with you or like defend yeah. themselves so to speak but that's the whole point of the podcast right is that yeah. eventually it's to bring them, bring them on it's to bring them on right. i've already got one of my topics i was going to bring on is let jack know i've got somebody coming in from nutrition that wants to battle your points Ooh. yes so i'm excited to have her on she's this coming on fun. yeah and i thought I we'll just beef. see what happens she's gonna be like beef. coming in beef. <laughs> you smell like beef and cheese you don't smell like santa um <laughs> oh, that makes me uncomfortable it's from elf Oh, is it? Yeah, it's when he's standing next to Santa for the first time at the, um, like, Macy's store. You know, they think he's working there, and he's supposed to stand next to Santa, and some guy comes in in a beard, and he's like, what do you want for Christmas? And he goes, you're not the real Santa. <laughs> you smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. All right, now I remember. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but continue. But yeah. what, what I think is interesting is that so we talk about this idea of like needing an immediate like uh, d- discussion or conversation in order for it to be fair. Like, how dare you talk about this? Blah blah blah. I don't know. I'm I'm in a philosophy class right now, and you have people writing uh, against or opposing to philosophers from 200 years ago. Yeah, it's perfectly. Or they write fine. oppositions to it because it's like I don't know. It's an idea. Yeah. And it's like I'm not attacking an individual for their their ideas. Like I'm I'm attacking the idea. Because I objectively disagree with what they are saying. That has nothing to do with their characters. Or person, that I don't right? fully understand it in the beginning. Yeah, yeah but yeah, that's yeah. kind of the difficulty we're running into today is that oftentimes because we become so attached to what we believe or think, and understandably so depending on what we are talking about, that when you criticize that, people get angry or, you know, yeah. feel that oh, they're being attacked. Which, which makes me really nervous about being on a branch. And that's why I decided to go, you know, private with this that mm. i own almost everything except for like if like jack he's got share in his so he gets the to call fall, is the fallback with that or i shouldn't say fallback but the um consequence of that is that you don't get as much exposure on campus here probably but then again i i was going through the shows and i mean no offense by this but i didn't recognize any of the shows that they're not true. advertised I mean, yeah. I mean if i'm being the, honest, the biggest a single podcast here yeah on campus. the biggest yeah. thing that would be advertised is i'd probably get a news spot if i got a big guest so say like, like I could have sent. Let's just take Jack's podcast because you're you were the second one, right? So it's easy to point at yours and be like, this actually had like some really interesting points. I really thought this went well and blah 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 blah. And I could send it in theoretically, and I could say this would be one worth posting, and I would keep it on my private channel and then also give it to them, so it would go off two branches. But if it was just through the media group here on campus. I'd probably get a small spot at the end of the news, maybe, if it's really good. But if it's like Jackson, you know, it, it came off rough. It's the second episode. You know what? That's not a harm. If I'm being honest, dude, I've never watched the news here on campus either. No, I, mean, <laughs> I can't say I have either. Johnny, so, uh, Johnny Betty Media. Yeah, what's it even like? 
It's pretty cool when you're filming. They do like they there. do like a full cool. like in newscast style yeah. system. They do a good job. Sit usually at the desk, like oh hey, like welcome yeah. to news tonight. Like let's go into all of our individual stories. It doesn't feel awkward or anything like that. Does that it? person? Well, I mean, well, I'm sure. I mean, sometimes people are learning, right? Well, yeah, the readers they do they reset readers every week, so you'll get some more confident people and less confident people. Mm-hmm. You know, Jonathan did sports, and God love Jonathan, but he's not like a guy unless you talk about soccer with. He's not knowledgeable of sports. So he went up there and he was kind of like rattly, but he's one of the best guys behind a desk that you'll see, you know, whether it's sound editing, video editing. Well, I mean, it kind of reminds me of how, like, when we go to mass and we listen to the music, I'm hypercritical of the music, sometimes of the singing, but we all know. music guys. I am, naturally. Right. But I also know that I am extremely thankful I'm not up there singing yeah. because it would be atrocious. I couldn't do anything. I think I right. watched you have, you have a breakdown because people that are even willing to get up there. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I've seen you have a breakdown where you started laughing, but at the same well, time, it was like this giggling well, of like, I understand pain of what they're doing. Yeah. But at the same time. Sometimes the, yeah, the liturgical choir and stuff like that, it just seems like they get a little overzealous. I don't think it has to do with the choir. I think it has to do with the director. But... Um, I suppose I mean them as a whole. <clears throat> well, everything that the the choir does is dependent on what the director right. determines. So, you know, I whenever I hear any kind of mess up, part of the reason why I laugh is because it reminds me of when I did my audition at St. Olaf. I was supposed to hit a high B flat on the trombone. Really hard hit, note to hit if you're not very well versed in the instrument, and I was not quite yet. Um, <laughs> so it was this giant buildup <laughs> In this very complicated classical piece, and it builds up and builds up, and you have to expend like a lot of air and be really loud just to hit the note, right? So just imagine I'm blasting a note and it goes all the way up, and I'm supposed to hit the high B flat, and it's just like way off key, like not even close. Oh like, no! And I could, and I was already shaking, and then I could see all the people who were supposed to be grading me to determine whether or not I'm worthy to be in the music major at Saint Olaf. And mm-hmm. I could see them like immediately start writing. Cringe. Yeah, yeah, and then they write, you know, and you're just like, oh, I just screwed it up. I hate. That. I have just no like chance. They, they're all looking down at the paper, and they like lift their heads up and like tilt their glasses down. They're like, mm-hmm. shake their heads, go back down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. No. But I mean, that's part of the reason why I laugh is because I remember my own performance days when it comes to that sort of thing, and yeah. thinking to myself like, it's just, it's just funny. Like I laugh. At that memory, like it sounds funny. No, so it has yeah. nothing to do with the musician. No, it has absolutely. everything to do with the sound. Mm-hmm. No, the, I totally the musician is just terrible. I'm gonna laugh because the musician is just terrible. Yeah. Or like, uh, who was it who did the Star Spangled Banner? Who just? Oh, oh Fergie. No, I know what you're talking about. At the oh, Warriors man. Timberwolves game. That yeah, was she's trying to make it too sexy because of the sound and because of. I was just laughing at the whole thing. Yeah, like, even the know. players were laughing. Like, she tried who, to do a Rob. Um, what was the singer? Last name's Gay. Marvin Gay. Yeah. He did one of like the sexiest versions of oh. the Star Spangled Banner, and she kind of tried sexiest. to imitate. Oh my If you it hear just it, didn't like work. No. It didn't work. The Star Spangled well, Banner is inherently Fergie not sexy. did the sexy. No, not at all. Well, you gotta listen to the way he did it. Like I say, sexy in loose terms. Okay. Like the okay. the style. I should hope so. I'm not talking well, like they, all they, of a sudden Thunder Down Under comes out, <laughs> and all of a sudden they, they music their, commences, rip off sure. them fadeaway pants, and just start dancing. They, you know they, what I'm they take, they take their own individual styles and they yeah. implement it in the song itself. 
Yeah, I know. I understand that. I've never been a particularly huge fan of people who do that with the Star right. Spangled Banner. Right. I actually just really like the clean cut, right. well played. But think back to think back to high school when you know we went to this this military academy, and we're doing the marches around the field, and the one kid has to go up there with a bugle and do the Star Spangled Banner, mm-hmm. and it was just like, mm. oof. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to keep in mind that's a lot of pressure for one kid. Absolutely, trumpet's not an easy instrument to play. I'm just talking about like even with these celebrities and these singers who are really, really high-end musicians or performing as performers not yeah their issue so at that point I, I don't like it when they go crazy with their variations i'm kind of like just make it the normal version just make it sound really really term. really nice yeah like, yeah you don't need all this crazy you know arpeggiations and like weird stuff that you add in to make it sound fancy that is not how to start you know it's kind of like when you listen to um, guitar music or like jazz a lot of people's complaints with jazz is that it's just it sounds like a billion notes just thrown in yeah. to a song so there's an art to improvisation in which you there's a side where you can play a lot really fast but you also have to be able to understand when that's appropriate and when it sounds good because there's an art to being able to play slowly soloing is you know when you solo on a song you are writing you know, so you can't just, that's kind of the, the issue with some performers is that they just, they, it's as if they think that the faster, the more notes they play, the better it sounds. And that's no. just not true. Not necessarily true at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, let's, let's just use that as a jumping point. Cause I wanted to talk about this really briefly because one of the things that happened when I was in production back in St. Paul was a goal of mine was eventually to start reaching out to artists and musicians to have their music played at the end of the show just to give them a chance to like hear what it sounds like out there you know because i'm friends with a lot of more vocalists rather than actual musicians musicians but where where's the music with you like where how are you doing with it how's that going up <laughs> well in terms of me like eventually producing it and that sort of thing just or, like, posting yeah where you're at right now music is kind of a struggle because i was burnt out from saint olaf yeah so it took me about a year to even really want to play again um but I would say right now I'm kind of working my way back into it in terms of playing, in terms of learning how to mix and produce music. Uh, I'm kind of teaching myself. But, yeah, right now I'm just trying to get back into the scene and maybe mm-hmm. start performing locally. I'm thinking about playing at the local blend um, just to get back into it. But that's as far as I've thought about it right now. Yeah. Um, my ultimate dream is to be in a band, but the difficulty is finding people. Yeah, finding consistent people. with. Can I also ask, and this is for the group, what's the story with the accordion player? Or what's the story oh with gosh. some of the local oh, blend? Can I hear yeah. some of these stories yeah. exactly? Because I've never well, gotten a clean cut Okay, version. so the beauty of the local blend and open mic night is that anyone can play. And I mean anyone. Anyone. Any instrument, any interpretation. If you write whatever. your name down, you're on. You're going to play. You could go up wow. there and try to yodel. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, there's a guy that gets up there um, most Tuesdays and does musicals. He's not bad either. He's pretty good. No, 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 no. Like he's he's a good singer. But it's just like you would disco guy. So (laughs) much panic at the disco, and then the other like fifty percent. No, I was gonna say like why is he called the Panic Man if he's singing a bunch of musicals? Panic Man. Panic Man. Musicals and he's got panic, and that's his forte, and it's amazing. So he does pretty well. You call him Panic Man. Yeah, Panic at the Disco guy. <laughs> yeah, I call I just called him Panic Man for short because he was talking. Yeah, Sorry. absolutely, gotcha. absolutely. Actually, I kind of like that. 
I think we should Panic call him Man. The Panic Man. Oh, but anyway, I mean, the point yeah, is continue. that he gets up there and does. He's a great singer. Don't get me wrong at all. Right. But it's just it's different. It's different from the regular vibe in what you would hear usually there. And so you know, some people get up there and they'll do guitar. They'll sing. They'll do this. They'll do that. Sometimes you get a little weird ones here and there, but it's like everybody's usually within the bounds of what you would expect at an open mic night. Mm-hmm. And then this one professor comes in <laughs> like every once in a while on a Tuesday night. It's like every whips, month or so. She whips oh, out God. the accordion Ooh. and she just goes off and for her like, 15 minute what? window. And everybody's just kind of like. <laughs> usually your two <laughs> really, really young accordion. kids are there too. And we're just oh. like, we're like, what is going on? The accordion is my here? least favorite instrument. Wait, wait. Let's be honest, though. Like, on a scale, like, is there anything that beats an accordion? Like, where's the accordion? Horribleness? Horribleness? Like, does it help? I don't mind the accordion. Like, honestly, it really changes things up. It, it, like, bagpipes are the biggest thing. I think we need a little more cowbell in here. We need a lot more cowbell. cowbell. That's how my dad used to call us to dinner. He'd ring a cowbell. And it made me feel like an animal. God, you are from the Midwest. <laughs> I <you>? am. Uh, <laughs> he still has Did he it. Did yell too. Suey as well? <laughs> no, he yelled Suey. That's from the South, Dan. Northwest, we just silently know, stand at the top of the stairs with hey, our arms on our hips. Look, America does have an obesity problem. <laughs> we talked about this with Facts. Jack. Yeah. Factual. All right. I don't know. I just figure fat little Ben, 11 year old. But I mean, I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. Fat little Ben. Mm. <laughs> Uh, little Benji. Benji. I'm going to change no, I mean this topic. No, the, I'm going to change this The simple fact that the accordion was that, you know, it, it's just, it's odd. You just, first of all, you don't see the accordion played much. No, you no. don't. And so I know one student at the school who I believe is a junior at this point, if he still goes here. He used to live on uh, Mary, the, Mary um, 3. the name of the student? I don't know. No he was on Tommy's floor. Just no last names, please. When we were sophomores. Oh, no last names. Yeah, 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 of course. I don't remember who. I don't remember his name. Really nice kid, but like he played the accordion and he would just like pop it out in the middle of like open areas at school and just start playing because he just wanted to practice there. And it was like really unique and like it was kind of attractive in the sense that you're just like, wow, that's that's new. That's bold. Something when different. I go to the local blend, I'm gonna be honest. Accordion is not what I'm looking for. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you don't expect to see, like yes. off the bat. It's like you, expe- well, you it's go also to the local blend and you expect to see, like, I'm a talent agent. Singers. I'm going to the local blend to find somebody that Ooh, I can to sign. Find the next and big. Let hit. me hit that accordion real quick. Ooh, heck yeah! <laughs> Who's to say the accordion can't make it? But like, anyway, what I was saying before, <laughs> the next Lindsey Sterling or something with the violin <laughs> flying from like ribbons, dancing around with the accordion oh and singing. Yeah, I, I think like just. Vocals. I don't necessarily think like any particular sort of like instrument, like. But I love the instrument. So like when I go there and I see something new, something different like that, like that's awesome. Like I really, I really, really like that. So like I guess really the only other instruments I've seen are like guitars. Like there are a couple guitars that like shift in and out here and there. Some people will get up there with like uh, actual like beat pads and stuff like that and yeah. record stuff. There was that they've one. Done. There was one student that graduated now, but he he did that with the uh, the beat pads. And it was always it was always pretty cool. Like the I pads of the beat. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> My favorite. Um, this isn't from the local blend. This is a long time ago for a talent show. I don't even remember where I was, but I was in the middle of this theater, and there was a talent show going on. And this kid came out with a suitcase, like you know, almost, it looked like a giant guitar case. And I was like, oh, he may play the guitar or something like that. And he sits down and he puts down a wood stool. And I mean, this was he gonna milk a cow or something? That's pretty the close. I got in my head. You know? He pulls out <laughs> a gorgeous banjo, 
Oh, Ooh. that. That right there. Angel's real hit or miss, though, man. He was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, speed, yeah. accuracy, perfect. I love like when you pull off a banjo. If it's amazing. It's oh, amazing. See, I was like, I was like brief, like big briefcase. I was yeah. Like, is he gonna pull out a typewriter? What's going no, on? No, no, no. <laughs> if he just, just starts doing Shakespeare in the park, yeah, it's like you focused on the music. case. You focused on the case, and you were like, "We're still in the music realm." Me, yeah. I heard stool, and I was like, "Cow." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Midwestern, Midwestern thing. Yeah, I mean, you weren't far off, right? No, I guess I wasn't. No, but <laughs> no. This kid just lit this theater on fire, That's and awesome. people were like, "What?" That is you know, one awesome. of my one of my favorite kind of. It's not necessarily close, but it's within bluegrass. The mandolin, mandolin. Yes, is yes. But wow. too few people know how to really play it. Yeah, no, it's not one that you're gonna sign your kid up for at like no, it's six not. years Man. old. You're like, Man, it's piano so or guitar. Mandolin, <laughs> pandering. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that again? It's Bo, uh, Burnham. Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. I have yet wow. to see his they, stuff. People have been so sending me stuff. So you should give it a look. He, he really he's like unique, it. though. He's yeah, he's different. an artist. He plays music when he does he it. He has this hilarious like country bit where he goes off on about how country songs just pander to yeah. a certain crowd. And like a part of it is like, oh, you hear that subtle mandolin in the background? <laughs> I had a buddy of mine. Um, he was an English major write a full length, I think it was like 15 to 20 page paper on why country music, <laughs> it was, it was freaking hilarious to read, but he, he wrote why country music and rap is pretty much the same music. Interesting. Okay. If you think about it though, just think about yeah. this in bits, right? The main part, what are most of the songs about? They're about women. They're about <laughs> some sort of vehicle that you drive. <laughs> fair. This is only well, 100% Your right, dad right. and mom, you don't really know. Partying yeah. lifestyle, like just listen to country music. He picked out a bunch of songs, so it's kind of unfair so for me to talk of, about. He was talking about like there's similarities in themes. There's big similarities yeah. in okay. values in music. Nitty, we're going the nitty gritty though. It's if you go into the nitty gritty ones, yeah, ones kissing, yeah, <laughs> whatever is that? Is it Lil Nas? Little Nas, he, they go, are you country or rap? And he just goes, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he actually said that. I still, I still hate that song. The yeah. up, what is the ro- what's the song? Old, Old Town Road. I hate that song, but not not because like it was. Dude, I swear the the song makes me laugh so hard still to this day because every time I hear it, I still hear. I'm gonna take my horse to the hotel room. Yeah, I'm gonna ride till I can't. That's not the lyrics. What are no. the lyrics? What I, are thought, the lyrics I actually that? thought that was what the lyrics. Were. No, it's no. horse. I'm gonna take my horse to the hotel. To it's the not ho- the hotel down room. Old Town Road. The road. But it sounds like hotel, hotel road. road, and then you're like, or the hotel room, and you're like, wait a minute. Well, yeah, so I like, totally thought that on? it was just and a there's, sexual there's, song. There's a hilarious no, picture. No, he performed that in front of, of a like the school. shadow of a horse, really? the shadow of a horse in a hotel room, and like that was like some meme that I saw. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. like wait, oh, that picture out of my head. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I totally thought that's what the lyrics were <laughs> without any meme. There's a crazy video that you guys have probably seen now, but. It's him in a grade school on a stage in cowboy boots and the hat and everything no. and high stepping oh, in front man, of that's... a room full of kids like under oh. under nine and just going crazy. I, I bet honestly like they. That's... Yeah. I honestly wow. miss the days of like seeing videos of like middle schools where they're all doing the Fortnite dances. No, I don't. Why, I don't. why, why do you miss can, we, can we bring those back? No, no. we cannot. We, we never bring not. those back. Please. please. I'm just thankful please. that if and when I have children, they won't be going through that. 
No, it'll be worse. It'll be something similar, yeah, though, right. Dan. Um, I, I hate to break it to you. There's always, if it's not the Fortnite It'll dances, be like super Fortnite. It'll be something else. <laughs> it'll be something else. I want Fortnite on steroids. Lord knows what my parents put up. I think when I was, the one I remember that my parents put up with was like fourth grade Rubik's Cubes made a comeback for some no, reason. No, I didn't yeah. even remember that. And like everyone had one. And I was like, Mom, I have to have a Rubik's Cube. A Rubik's Cube. She finally got me one. And then by the time I got yeah, it, like everyone was done with it. And you're just like, oh, well, looks like I used that for a day. Dan played with it like for five minutes, and he's like, fuck it. <laughs> started well, yeah, peeling it took, off it took me about three days for me to realize that I was too stupid to figure out how to no. solve a Rubik's Cube. Wait, 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 wait. So all the same colors go on one side? <laughs> I, I got one side down. That doesn't make sense. That's the worst. That's, that's worse than go. actually... That's, that's worse than having it all messed up because you're like, no, this is here. I can do one side. Yeah, you're like, I know, right? Your OCD starts tingling. It's like, oh, that looks so good, though. Yeah. <laughs> then you start peeling the stickers off. And you yes. just start reapplying them. Dude, I couldn't do that because then when you reapply them, it just looks. This looks people terrible. know. Really people know the truth. Like but like, yeah, they. The, the trick know is, the truth. no, the the trick is, is that there's like an algorithm to it, but but like based on how you turn it. Yeah. But I wonder if you like took the stickers off and put them elsewhere, if it would like really mess that up. I wonder. I I almost did that once in a study hall. I had a really good friend of mine. He's going to be a priest here pretty soon, but he was like out of this world intelligent, you know, just brilliant guy in general. And he did Rubik's Cubes all the time, and he got up to use the bathroom real fast, and I was like, I wonder if I fixed, like, one sticker in a different location, just one, if I moved, like, one green tile, switched it with the white, if he, <laughs> if he like could it still solve work. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't do it. But, oh, I should have done that now. Happened. I, I was like, he'll know. He'll see that it was peeled back. I could probably tear it. You know, there's, like, all these His risks OCD to it. will start tingling. He's like, well, this was a guy that hooked up a lawnmower engine wrong. to a Nerf gun. He took a lawnmower engine apart. Oh, did he? And then he hooked up the engine to a Nerf gun to fire, like, um, airsoft bullets. He took the body. Did it actually work? The, yeah, yeah, it did. Did he use this during a Nerf war? I, I, oh. Did he murk some kids? <laughs> I, I pray to I God mean, he did because now he's a priest. Because <laughs> now he's a priest, and he could probably go around. So, he's spraying liquid death all over. Just that just makes cool me think priest. of how you, know, you remember how you all would, like, Modify your Nerf guns. Yeah. yeah. Like you ever go, would, like that's that? all you ever did with your Nerf guns, right? You wouldn't mess with anything else. The actual darts I've seen people. Oh, I went. With. I, yeah. I, what have you seen? I've seen like I've putting seen. like nails on the end. Yeah. No, like, you like you like take, like you take the dart, stuff. you take the head off. And like you put I a heard about people yeah. putting like thumbtacks. Yeah. 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 Like that. So, I heard. Uh, in my neighborhood, that's what we did. Yeah. Oh. And we we played. Oh, and there's some Nerf guns like the Maverick, like the old really big like revolver pistol. Yeah, that's yeah. what you we could, used. Like, you could remove like springs in it and stuff to make yep. it like three times as like powerful. That's what we did. And yeah, so we would do that, and then we would put like. What is it about tags. guys? What is it about <laughs> us yeah, that's I think, like I this think, would be better with like, thumbtacks? So I understand. Looking back in my in my childhood, I can understand the logic like ooh, modifying the Nerf gun so it's not like this stupid, wimp gun because I don't know. It just it needed more power. Okay, that's understandable. The thumbtacks, I can sort of understand. Like maybe you want to shoot it at something, like at a wall, and you're like, "Oh yeah, it's I want to have it stick." But yeah. then where me and my friends went too far is when we played each other. Yeah. Uh, well, see, Dan, you know? here's the thumbtack to um, the eyeballs. Got to feel good. Oh, you know. I was uh, talking with my like uh, my my dad's dad, so my grandpa. And he was telling me about he he saw us like playing around with like Nerf guns and like all this sort of stuff. And he like got on the story about how he used to 
played with BB guns. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. This was like one of those new cool things out when he was like, shoot I don't your even eye know, out. like just yeah. eighth grade around in and around. And what he would do though is he'd shoot at stuff. He'd find a can. He'd go do all something like that. But where he took it to the next level is when they started shooting the BB guns at each other. Yeah. And yeah, so they were like one pumping BB guns or like, I don't know how many pumps they would do. And they were shooting them at each other. Dude. So I don't think that's as bad in comparison because a BB gun's a little bit more insane because it's like, Uh, it's actually a metal ball. Like even airsoft, like I never got into airsoft as much as other people did because I thought it was just like this. I don't know. I just had thoughts about it that. I, I never really had an. I want you to shoot well, me, Jerry. My, <laughs> shoot my, me, Jerry. Where I where I grew up, you had to be careful with it because yeah, because people if the were wrong, getting people nailed. Saw in the face. it like a real gun. Yeah, there were kids who got shot by the yeah. cops because mm-hmm. they thought it was a real gun. I had to be careful with my cap gun because it looked like a thirty-eight revolver. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, my my parents just well, I think the reason why my parents didn't get me it, they usually told me those reasons. But I think the real reason why they didn't get me an airsoft gun is because they just didn't want to spend the okay, money. Okay, okay. But here's an interesting conversation, and I think a valuable a valuable one at that is like, what about like, do you think that allowing your children to play with guns like a Nerf gun or airsoft or like playing violent video games will influence their behavior as they grow? I got somebody coming on to talk about video games in three weeks. Okay. And he's been doing a paper for a year and a half about how video games know, but the playing is different. I don't fully understand why. That's why he's coming in. But video games, he's claimed, is a no. Um, again, I'm excited to have him on. But the playing and the physical action of throwing people down and using aggression and rewarding that, that could be different. But video games, for some... I. I, I'm just in terms of the, yeah. I would, I would love it. to come back to that because I think that's interesting. But I, well, I if wanna, you cover it now, because I'm no, going to have people. No, on but later. I want to I want to hit the the video game and like gun related thing, and then yeah. we can go to like the physical like aggressiveness. Yeah, I, is what so I'm the physical aggression is the one that I'm bringing them on especially for because yeah. video games like people laugh at it now. Like yeah. people, well, you, people, people shouldn't say. laugh at it, but not because playing too many video games, especially violent video games, is going to turn you into a, a, a monster. Person. Yeah. No. People shouldn't laugh at it because if you don't, and this is purely anecdotal, but for me growing up, I was only allowed to play about 30 minutes a day. Very different than what a lot of kids were allowed, right? I mean, Jack, I don't know how often or how long you were allowed to play when you were in 7th and 8th grade. How Far too much. Far too much, right? Even in 7th and 8th grade, throughout high school, is about a half an hour. Right, me. and again, that's an anecdotal position for me too because it's like, well, you know, I played so much that I was ranked like worldwide in like yeah. top 100 sure. in Call of Duty and stuff like that. Like I was a semi-professional Call of Duty player, sure. but it's like now look at me. Like I, I, you know, I, I have a lot of self-control and I barely play video games anymore. And it's True. like when I do, like I sit down for like an hour or two at max. So and so it's very sparse now. Right. So my but point who's to though, say that that's everybody? You know. My point though is, you know, recently the World Health Organization declared, you know, that it was a problem or whatever. The only reason I think that has some merit is because I've noticed, especially with my nieces and nephews, when it comes to electronic devices, yeah. if they're allowed to use it a lot and then yeah. you take it away, the meltdown is ridiculous. Yep. And I, I remember about, uh, with Jonathan right. about raising kids with addiction, raising kids with attachment. And there's a book called The Velt we talked about that was really good mm-hmm. about. Long story short, it's about these parents that go that basically have a VR room raise their kids and the negative aspects of that. It's a long story. I should give you the sure. book because it's good you can finish it in like a day yeah 
So but they, really they get tricked into this room, and the room actually ends up killing them. It's a horror mo- book. But oh, um, okay. it's insanely okay. good. I love the book. Okay. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it was an interesting conversation about raising kids with, quote-unquote, addictions or attachment to objects that aren't their parent well, as nurturing devices, like a screen. I bring that up because, you know, when I was growing up, obviously I would, whenever I could, push that 30-minute Oh, dude, you'd right. be dumb not to. You'd be right. pushing it as hard as you could. I wouldn't be could. a normal kid if I was like, oh, yeah. my 30 minutes are up, right? But Yeah, no. I noticed, so if I played, like, the big ones that I played, because it was all we had, was, like, Need for Speed. Okay. Yeah. But I remember someone introduced me to Counter-Strike, and I started playing that, and I started playing it a lot. And I would often be really sneaky about getting over my 30-minute limit, but I also noticed that I started getting angry. And I don't think it had to do so much with the violent nature of the game. That might have been a part of it. But I also think it had to do with, you know, online competition. Oh, those I MW2 really rooms angry. were legendary of how bad they got toxic yeah. on the MW2 Oh, yeah, the places. chat rooms. Yeah. Counter-Strike was atrocious. Counter-Strike just, is still bad. I remember, bad. you know, I was playing it a lot, and then I would get so angry oh, when well, I would lose, I mean, you know? You, te- you tease me about that all the time, even when I just play a simple game like Dark Souls nowadays. Right. Like, I get visibly angry, which is odd to see because I don't feel like I'm a very angry person unusual. But what I want to reflect on is that, like, when I used to play Call of Duty, like, I would smash controllers. Like, I would be screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, sure. And personally, I just think it's because I'm bad at expressing my emotions in general. And so when well, I have the opportunity to do something through which can't respond or, like, it is, is inanimate, I feel like I'm much more apt to just, like, go at it. And so sure. it's almost like a venting period for me. But, like, I still don't think that's, like, a healthy vent. No, yeah. I remember for me it wasn't healthy. I started being angry in a lot of other aspects of my life. But can this be applied to something physical like playing? Can your rage or your rage about a game be carried over to something like playing Well, I think for me the rage carried over in my inability to handle, like, loss. So, like, loss in terms of, like, I'm playing baseball in the backyard of my buddy's, you know, house. And... He beats me, and I get really mad. But, like, mad in a way that's just egregious. No, like it's... Like, over the top. Yeah. Way over the top. Yeah. Like, throw my bat, almost hit him. Like, I noticed that my behavior... Mm-hmm. So, in terms of that, that would happen. But in terms of... I mean, I, I rarely played... I mean, I sort of did, I guess, the only other time. The only times I ever played, like, with guns, per se, growing up, would be, like, me and my buddy... Uh, John playing with a stick pretending it was a gun and we were like Star Wars. Yeah, it's an imagination thing. But, you know, and, and Ben, I, again, I wanted to come to that physical thing. I just have a few more things to say on like the video game side of it personally. Is it like, so when w- even when we use our phones nowadays, right, we pick it up. Oh my gosh, a notification. Let me look at that real quick. It's a dopamine fix, right? And the reason why we get addicted to technology is because it's a general feedback into the way that our like actual physical biochemistry like has that effect on us right Mm -hmm. and so with video games like i don't know let's take call of duty for example oh i get a kill and a hundred points pops up on your screen like oh that's kind of satisfying yeah it's this feedback thing right and so you you get this general feedback coming to you which is what makes it so addictive so what dan was pointing on earlier about you know just watching younger cousins or or in his case like nieces and nephews about um you know just sitting on like a ds or like sitting on a, uh, a nintendo switch and just playing it and playing it and playing it and it's like man like they are really 
just entranced by this screen. Yeah. It's kind of scary to watch a little bit. That worries me more. And I'm not going to say like zero sum of violence because yeah. I'm worried more about addiction to screens yeah. than violence. Not to say violence is not but an important I, I, issue to topic, yeah. but I, I play very relaxing games. I don't like yeah. to play games yep. like Call of Duty. I'm not that big of a guy like that. Right. But at the same time, I understand where that logic's coming from. Yeah, it's just, I, I think Dan's parents did it brilliantly. Like, you know, actually force your child to, like, develop correctly. And, like, my, my parents were very open source about just being like, hey, like, go for it. Like, try what yeah. you want. Like, play as much as you want. Like, you know, like, they didn't really care that much. And, like, sometimes they wanted me to, like, they would always make sure that I got my homework done before I played. But then at the end of the day, it's like, if that's what I want to do, that's what I wanted to do. And, like, my dad tried to encourage me to play sports and different stuff like that. But it took me a while to actually get there. Now, this is the thing. I did get there eventually, but some other people just may not. And I think that's a really interesting point to play off of, too. But I suppose the point is that I think that parents should be smart about limiting screen time for sure because mm-hmm. you need your child to get out there and actually learn those social skills that you need to have to like function in the real world. Yeah. What I'm interested in is the veracity of the statement of saying that violent video games is going to make your child violent because that just seems like another scapegoat for mental illness. And like, I don't know, Dan, like we were having that conversation the other day, just generally about like, you know, how people are using mental illness as a scapegoat for gun violence in America today. And I feel like this is just another great example of how we're talking about how, oh, because of this addictive quality and because of this relationship that they have with it, they're mentally swayed towards a certain behavior. It's like, uh, that might be a little far-fetched if you ask me. So I don't know what... what, what In terms of video games? Yeah, like, I I just feel like it's another element of that whole entire mental illness as the reason for gun violence argument. Well, yeah, I mean, so for those who are listening to explain about mental illness kind of it, it insinuating that people who um, commit mass shootings in particular are mentally ill the problem with saying that is you therefore stigmatize a lot of people who are mentally ill as being violent uh, in the vast majority of cases people who are mentally ill are not violent at all and actually yeah. they are more likely to be a victim of a crime right so and you got to keep in mind mentally ill can include someone who's dealing with depression right because depression is considered, a which in illness. many of those cases it could be attention seeking, it could be it could be an internal uh, uh, infliction of pain. Mm-hmm. It, it, I feel like in a lot of those cases it's not necessarily external. It's if we're not, talking about, I mean, a, a variety of mental illnesses. I mean, sure. I guess the point is like let's take depression, let's take schizophrenia, let's take personality disorders. In all cases, I feel like many of them are are inside airs of like I hate myself, I have issues with myself. Now, if we start getting into like certain personality disorders, which is where I think people want to classify the majority of this, it's like, yeah, okay, if you have an antisocial personality well, disorder. Well, even even then, they haven't been able to put together a profile right. for mass shooters. It's too... But it's that lack of empathy that I think could be at least pointed there. They don't even know if issue. that's a factor. Mm. You mean, you mean specifically within like a, a mass shooting sense? Yeah. Right. No, and sense. then the other problem with mass shootings, if we're talking about mass shootings, as we talked about that, is that a mass shooting right. is characterized as... Difficult a, definition. Right. It's characterized as a shooting that results in three or four deaths or more, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty three, sure it's, it's three, three by the four. FBI. I want to say it's three. But And, and that, that gets you into dicey territories because then you can start talking about all sorts of different issues. Well, yeah. And then the problem is, is that we, I mean, based off of that definition, we have a mass shooting every other day. Right. So... Anyways, in terms of mental illness or like with with uh, video games, there is not a lot of evidence to point that video games result, you know, in more violent behavior. 
especially because you know when we're looking at other uh, countries like uh, South Korea uh, consumes a lot of video games like they're very big into the gaming culture from what I remember learning and they have nowhere near the issues that we have when it comes to violence um, I would be specifically gun violence I, I say. would be interested though to see the methodology of some of these studies because we like to say that like oh you know no studies have found this or studies have found this it's like well wait a minute what methodology are they using this for am sure. I playing Animal Crossing when they're doing mm. this study and is that supposed to look or am I playing a first person shooter right. that's right, what because, I'm hoping to learn yeah next, in the couple in, coming weeks in South weeks. Korea I would presume that the the major games that they're playing are stuff like LOL uh, League of Legends uh, Dota Overwatch and StarCraft. Yeah, that's true. Like the major league competitive games that actually are in the esports kind of sphere. I think if it's a popular game, though, I think South Korea is going to have right, like a sort of hand. Potentially, no, but potentially. Jack, Jack is right. Like League of Legends, World of Warcraft is huge. That's true. And even if you talk about communities of League but, of Legends, they get pretty toxic yes. as well. So no, they definitely sure, can be but, toxic. But, but is there a relationship? And again, this gets down to the methodology. For my case, is like, is there a difference latently with how a game that involves direct gun violence yeah, I mean, has an influence on the potentiality of a person being interested yeah, Call in Call of Duty gun is violence. depicting brutal yes. war. Oh, yeah, Mar- Modern Warfare 2 has a shooting uh, scene in the campaign. Exactly. So That was freaky when yeah. I first actually played caught, through they that. They caught some flack for that. And they added an update where yeah. you could skip the mission if you right. were comfortable yeah, with it. Yeah, and the, the issue, you know, with League of Legends, World of Warcraft, the, the kind of violence that's occurring in there is I- entirely fantastical. It's not real. Yeah. Like in, oh, absolutely. But when we're talking about, you know, even Battlefield, where it occurs in World War One, like, this is something that actually happened. Mm-hmm. And people did die. Yeah. And the the... The gameplay is not unrealistic, you know, by whatever standard you have. It's just not unrealistic. Right, and then that's the re- that's that would be another really interesting study is like, well, let's compare uh, games like Battlefield 1 where we're starting to get hyper-realism and graphics and content, and then let's compare it to another game where there's also gun violence, like an original Doom game, right, like Doom 3D, like the old version, and where the graphics are not as up-to-date. And, like, I would be really interested to see if there's a comparison between how you project that based on the realism that you're experiencing within the game. That's fair. I'd It'd be I'd interesting. Ar- yeah. I'd it argue just, that there's more of, like, an immersion factor. Right? It's right? really difficult, though, because I also think that... Some sort of projection you, and encoding problem there. Mm-hmm. Where you grow up is really important. What kind of violence you're exposed right. to as you grow right. up, too. I mean, for me... But, right, if we're... But I guess from my perspective, it's like if we're isolating the variables here, right? If we're actually going to, like, talk about studies. Sure. It's like... I would be interested to see those as comparison studies because I, I'm, I'm always, especially in something like video games and violence, it's like mm-hmm. how many studies have really been done on that? Yeah. Can we conclusively say anything? Well, that's why I jumped on Has there on been you a right one away. associated, like, associated well, study? Right. And then it, but when we talk about hyper-realism, it makes me wonder about the kind of movies we see, especially horror. Oh, absolutely. Deadpool is not even horror. Deadpool is horrifically graphic. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious, but... I mean, it's just gratuitous or like Kill Bill, but it's not realistic. Like, there's so many different Right, or we were watching uh, V for Vendetta last night. Right. Another example. Mm -hmm. You know, it's based on a comic, but like at the same time, like it's got that element of like, okay, like these are still people. 
yeah. they're still doing stuff. Right. So you know, I, you you know if I'm a, if I'm a young mind, like when when you have that intellectual ability to like piece apart those details, like I feel like you can compartmentalize and rationalize some of the details in front of you. When you're a child, you may not have that quality. Or like the emotional coping mechanisms yeah. to be able to like deal with that in like a healthy way. I don't know. Those are just the interesting things that I think about when we talk about the relationship between video games and violence. It's like mm-hmm. I just I'm always so skeptical of like how were the methodologies put in place? Like I just yeah, I want to know what studies we're talking about. And it like, made me again, really if nervous. you're playing a certain video game oh. versus like a first person shooter, that's a big difference. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the thing is, is Ben, you and I played GTA five, Lord knows how much last year. <laughs> right. And neither yeah. of us have really any inclination to go beat the shit out of somebody and take right. a car. Yeah. Well, and I also so. think you know, hitting back on just kind of summing this all up, I you and I grew up in homes that were not exactly similar, but I didn't have access to video games until I got to high school. I had I was right. a late guy, and I was expected to carry... I had responsibilities in different ways that most kids would probably not, because I grew up on a farm and blah, blah, blah. You can figure out the rest. But yeah. I, I, was, I, I just kind of want to bring this back of we don't know what's going on with that science yet, and that's what I'm hoping to learn about more, because yeah. I didn't want to bring somebody in that just been like, oh, I play and yada, 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 and I've I am in esports or blah blah blah. Yeah, sorry. There's some sort of frequency going yeah, on. Some sort of feedback. Going yeah, on. sorry about that. I think it's due to a cord. Um, you know what? I actually think I know exactly what it is. Sorry for the. Oh no, never mind. Um, well, I, I guess we'll just. Uh, it keeps cutting too. It keeps cutting in and out. Sorry, but returning to what I'll say. Um, <laughs> yeah, just slap it a couple times. Inconveniences, right? Um. Absolutely. I think it ha- it's might be co- uh, coming back from my mic, holding it in my arm. Maybe not. Wow, look at Interesting. that. Anyway, <laughs> summing this all up, I, you know, in bringing somebody in, I didn't want to bring somebody in that had just been in and out of esports or was a practicer of video games. I wanted to bring somebody who was in who had opinion. been around for around a year. Because I feel like it's one of those topics that's so easy to throw shade one way or the other that you can win an argument with somebody who's not experienced, which I'm not. So I wanted to bring people in that had been in there for a while, and I wanted to bring people who had actively participated in the discussion with others. So I'm hoping that this works out. I'm bringing in the president of the eSports club along with some of the teammates to talk a little bit more about it because they actually are invested in the discussion, and they had to convince our school board why this should be a part of our school in general and their sports program. Which to me, as a guy who loves athletics, it seems ridiculous that we have esports as a sport. But you know, th- they're coming to me. They g- they're giving me a chance to talk to them. I'm more than happy so to talk to them about that. It's a sport. It's above club level. It would be considered a sport at most schools. For us, it's a club because of the size and the income really? they're allowed. Yes, well, that's probably yep. because yep. of the relationship yep. between our male and female colleges. You need to have right. a, an equal balance yeah. too, yep. so they can't have And they're recruiting the club, hard. Yeah. Right. No, I was just like asking. Yeah. But um, they got some major clubs here in Minnesota. Um, St. Thomas has made a lucrative amount of money off of the their esports team. So St. John's it's big really money, got. It yeah, it's really, huge. Really big money. And the thing that's been crazy, I. You hit this point. Uh, one of you hit this point. Sorry, I'm with all the things going on at the board here. I've lost track. But in Korea, one of the things that's been becoming an epidemic is that these kids will go in and play Dota, or they'll play League, or they'll play Overwatch for like five straight years, hardcore on every single day, and they have to step back 
like faster than most Americans will. Yeah. Americans stay in leagues longer than Koreans, but Koreans play more hours and get recruited harder than any other. Well, there group. are um, methodical. Yeah, there are people that are like that are a part of like esports teams now that are getting like early onset arthritis in their hands. They're yeah. getting oh, absolutely. conditions where since they've been looking at a screen for so long, they can potentially go blind. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember exactly what esports well, so person this was, yeah. but it, what it basically the story was is that he was suggested by his doctor to stop playing video games for a little bit because if he continues at the pace that he's going at, which is like practicing for about 12 hours a day, and I even forget what game it was, he's gonna sound he's enjoyable. gonna go blind he's going he's going to go blind and like something is going to like bad is going to happen if he doesn't stop but like he isn't necessarily taking the advice like he is but like not as seriously as he should like not quitting esports entirely yeah mm-hmm. or at least taking a hiatus where he can like heal so well the way that the way that I always uh, described it when I was younger is you're sitting in front of a screen right and physically that screen is flat right but you're looking into an image and so your eyes still need to try to focus on what's in front of you and what what could be in the distance of the screen but ultimately the the feedback from light to your retina is still the same and so there is this weird like issue where it's like you may be thinking that you're looking into something but you're literally just staring at a wall and so there's studies that show that actually like going into the mountains and just like trying to focus on the things in the distance can help to improve your vision because you're actually training your eyes to actually try to focus a little bit more. Mm. So it's why people that wear glasses, if we don't wear our glasses for like a day, we can see probably better than we could if we just took our glasses off right now. It's because our eyes are, are training themselves a little bit more. They don't have that handicap. So when you're just sitting there looking at a quote-unquote wall, like your eyes are just deteriorating because they just are not working to do anything is always how I thought about it. I have no idea if it's backed by anything, yeah. but it just made sense to me in that in that way. Yeah. Well, it's it's worth looking into. You know, I'm gonna try to get some people yeah. on to just but talk ben, about I it wanna, in general. I want to get back to that physical uh, violence. Oh, vi- yeah, physical. So please explain that a little bit more to me. Physical violence. Um, were we talking about it through video games, or were we talking about it in general? Because what I, I think remember, you, you were talking about how a guy's gonna come in and talk to you about. Uh, that paper that he's been writing for like oh a yeah that's on video games but I wanted to bring it up to him of if not video games then where because obviously we're experiencing some sort of culture where violence is kind of being lifted up Dan pointed out movies that's being dramatized more and more than it ever was if you go back and watch a war movie I'm just picking a random group let's talk how about cowboys let's talk about you know cowboy movies what's the difference between one of the biggest blockbusters in the 2000s the Hateful Eight, versus a John Wayne movie. Well, Hateful Eight's got gore through everything, and that also comes from the style of Quentin Tarantino, but we're also going to talk about blood and violence, the glorification of violence, what it means, the symbolic symbolism of it. There's a lot more going on there. Is that coming from video games? Where is that coming from? Is that coming from movies? Well, clearly not, because it's coming into the movies. It's coming in to satisfy a part of us, and this was the argument I was really intrigued by. I don't necessarily believe this, but I also don't disprove it. I'm totally... Still trying to figure out my way around it. But is that coming from play? Is that coming from the way that we as guys, we'll just take it as guys because there's no women here right now. But is that through the way we play? Is it through Dan throwing me to the ground, shooting me with a Nerf gun and yelling, ha ha ha, I killed you, have something, you know, defining on our psyche? 
Probably not. But is there something more there? Is there something we're not looking at? Is it in the way that we play ultimately defined how we treat people going forward? Well, and I think what I, I found fascinating when you when you started that topic, what I'm interested in kind of maybe building on. Which I poorly com- described, I'm sorry. No, I, you did a fine job. And I, I think the thing that, that struck my interest was physical play, right? So, you know, the idea of young masculinity and, and needing to be roughhousing and playing and boys will be boys. I mean, however you want to put it, right? Sometimes it get kind of that, that idea gets... Uh, Proponed, and uh, that's not a word even. <laughs> gets Make like, it up. Gets it's like, all right. Gets like put as like, uh, you know, the, the the toxic masculinity spectrum of like, why are we promoting these behaviors? Blah blah blah. What I'm interested to hear is what is your thought on stuff like martial arts, jujitsu, wrestling from a young age? I actually like those a lot because from what I've learned from living with Dan, from what I've learned from people that actually do martial arts. I'm sorry for the frequency in our headphones. I really do apologize. But what I've learned from that is that actually builds confidence because it's a self-defense mechanism. Most of the people that I've talked to that have gone into jiu-jitsu, which is a defensive art, karate, wrestling, there's more of a feeling of vulnerability. And you find that the best wrestlers or the best jiu-jitsuists or the best karate, martial arts, whatever you want to pick, are people that have often lost something and they want to regain confidence to fill that hole. So whether it be a mental illness, whether it be just the physical structures, the most often one that I hear is, well, I'm a really small, thin kid. How the hell am I going to defend myself in high school with all these fears that I have? That's the one I hear the most is it's fulfilling a hole in your psyche or you know a fear that you have. So it doesn't necessarily make you violent. It's when you come into it hoping to enact violence on others. And I've actually heard less about that. I've heard more about sexual sexuality in karate and more jiu-jitsu because of touching than mm. more than instilling violence on another person. But that's not to say it doesn't happen. But for me, what I've always experienced is, you know, and Dan can probably open up more on this, is it's a defensive tactic. It makes you feel confident about yourself. Just because you know how to do it isn't insinuating that Dan's going to go out and he's going to arm grab or put somebody in a full Nelson because he right, can. right. Well, I think the interesting part, too, is that, like, when you talk about confidence, like, I think sometimes people focus, like you are right now, a lot on the act of, like, you doing it to another person. Here's what I'm going to say right now. In jiu-jitsu, when you have a dude's arm wrapped around your neck and you feel the air, like, bleeding from your throat and you, like, are losing that and you're getting ready to tap because you can't breathe anymore, Mm -hmm. that is the most humbling moment of your entire life. Yeah. Because you would ha- you have chosen to put yourself in a in a system of vulnerability where you know you're gonna get like messed up, and it's like you are actively doing that in a system of trust with that other person that you're rolling with, and it's a humbling moment because it's like, yeah, I'm probably gonna lose, but I want to give it a chance, and like you you begin to build some confidence about um, actually you know having the ability to defend yourself, but at the same time like I think that humbling act kind of brings you down to earth a little bit and teaches you to be like, hmm, maybe I need to like start, you know, being a little bit more of a humble person. And I think that is like a good character builder in general as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I'm just talking in circles there, but I don't know. I th- no, that, but that's how I think about it. I, I, I think less about like, you know, oh man, like I feel like I can defend myself. And I think more like, you know, because of my experiences of getting messed up, I feel confident that I 
know what I know how to handle myself. I think now. we're talking about two different sides of the same coin. Probably. I think yeah. I think we're in total agreement. Honestly, yeah. I yeah. think you're just hitting the points that I missed, which no, is maybe, great. Yeah, I think it just comes at it from two different perspectives. So yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah, but, but yeah, Dan. I mean, like, do do you feel the same from wrestling? I mean, like, what do you what do you think? I mean, especially like coming at it from like a young age, like. Do you think it's a beneficial thing for young men to get involved with like physical related sports? Hundred uh, percent. I mean, largely because I mean, personally for me, wrestling is kind of what got me through middle school and high school, especially because I was dealing with a lot of emotional issues. But um, I'm a big fan of kind of any physical sport and sport in general. But wrestling, compared to every everything else, it's the most humbling like you were saying um and it largely because when you go out on the mat and you lose them to somebody it's all on you there's no one else out there there's no one else on the line where you can say someone didn't do their job no it was right. you right the offensive line didn't do their job no no you you yeah, are you the didn't offensive do your job line. you are the defensive yeah you are everything yep and to add on to that is that everyone saw it it wasn't you didn't get lost in the pile you're out there on the mat with all the fans watching just you and your opponent so i think it's fundamentally it's really important that's why i want everyone to at least try wrestling partially because it's so difficult um and taxing because it's just good for you to push yourself to your limit but it's also really good for you to learn how to be humble yeah wrestling is the sport that teaches you how to lose kills your ego right uh and no no one likes too much pride, I guess. Um, I don't really think that wrestling uh, contributes to, and, and even football. I mean, obviously, football maybe a little bit more just because of the culture that surrounds it. Is that well, again? Sometimes... I, I think the difference uh, that maybe we're getting at is like that team versus individual aspect, especially because like I was going to bring up football because they're both you know very physical sports, obviously. But I, I do personally think that like you can shift responsibility in a football game. Like you can look at the guy next to you and be like, "It's your fault." Like, sure. I held my guy. Like, you can still withhold the ego. Sure. I think, well, also with football is that you can create an atmosphere on the team of hurting people. Uh, when I would play in high school, there were certain guys that it was completely acceptable on their team to reach in the pile and grab your penis and twist, you know, or, like, try to hurt you or gouge your eyes out. Whereas the team that I played on, that was not acceptable and could get you booted from the game and your coach wouldn't let you play. That even, like, bleeds into professional sports, too. Right. Like, back yeah. when uh, well, we just even Minnesota in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, they found out later that the New Orleans Saints had a bounty system. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty controversial. And we just talked about Bontrez Perfect getting booted. Yeah, he's uh, a linebacker for the Raiders now, right? Yep, yep. He got signed. Cincinnati is where he did most of his Gruden, damage. Gruden, the coach of – the Raiders likes personality, so he's got Richie Incognito, yeah, who was a yeah. part of the bullying scandal in Miami. They got Bontrez Perfect, who was one of, considered the most dirty player in the NFL for years in Cincinnati, and they let him go. He is awful. So it's, yeah, it's there. You can, I think, yeah. it's a fair assessment that you can make a culture in football that can be destructive. You can do it sure. in basketball. I mean, we had the bad boys in the '88 through '90 season, where they won a championship in. 89 and 90 with Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, sure. Joe Dumars, where if you came down the lane with the Jordan rules, you're getting hacked and you're getting thrown to the ground. And it's one of the big reasons that Michael Jordan actually happened. Sure. Right. So, but the fun part again is that all of these are team sports that we're talking about. Yes. Basketball, yes. We're talking about team, you know, wrestling, football. wrestling has an aspect of that, but it's, 
you can't get away with hurting people in wrestling as much. You can do subtle things to hurt people, but it's not. But it's we've not talked the about same. this, right? Is that you? You know, you can have rolling partners that just go way too hard. And sure, like but then they nobody they always, wants to roll with them. No one wants to roll with them, or those that do in, inevitably get angry yeah. and just destroy. basically destroy them. Right. Um, in terms of competing, you can't get away with it. Uh, you'll just get ejected, and then I mean, you'll be lucky if you if you have a real problem with this, you'll be lucky to continue competing. Um, you can't you can't get away with the same level of just absolute aggression right. in wrestling. So now we're there is aggressive wrestling. I mean, the Brands Brothers through I- Iowa, right? Ah, uh, those guys. They, oh, they you would, showed like, me videos. They would of them. break people. They were just so brutal. But but now we're talking about a really interesting quality, which is holding you responsible for your actions. Yeah, wrestling and I think is that's entirely where the individuality comes from. Wrestling is a team sport. The common misconception is that wrestling is not a team sport. It's individual in the sense that when you go compete, it's all on you, but it's a team in the sense that the only way you're ever going to get better is your team. You can't get better by yourself in wrestling. It's impossible. So that's where the team comes in. Everyone kind of assumes that it's just an individual sport, but right. You're not going to be able to compete. You're not going to be able to win. You're not going to be able to cut weight. You're not going to be able to do all the horrible things that you got to do for wrestling. Right. You need the group mentality to help to push you forward without yeah. your teammates. Right. Exactly. Interesting. I just, I, you know, and so that's why when you when you bring up the idea of like you know physical uh, violence, if you will, just physical aggressiveness, I think that there is something very intrinsically valuable um, to especially sports that implement that as kind of the main modality of competition. That that it's extremely valuable to young young men, especially. Sure. I don't know. I feel like if if you lack that ability to like, you know, wrestle your brother and kind of get like taken down every once in a while, I don't know. My my brother's a decade older than me, and like we're two completely different individuals. He is not a physical person at all. He's very like kumbaya, very peace among us. Like doesn't want to physically engage at all. And so it's like I never had that experience growing up of like a brother kind of manhandling me every once in a while and being like, oh wait. I'm not the biggest guy in the room, right? Yeah. And so it's like growing up, like, I don't know. I, I was always a little hyper-aggressive when I would, like, would get into situations where I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, to come. And so once I finally decided to, like, start doing jujitsu a little bit, I was like, this is humbling. Like, yeah. man, I thought I used to be, like, the big kid around here and, like, could kind of do some stuff when I wanted to. But, like, it's not about size. It's not about this. It's like there there is a art to some of this stuff. And I think there's so many lessons to be learned from at least the, the that aspect of it, whether that's a team or art or what it is. So mm-hmm. then the interesting question is, is does the team or the art make it or is it the physical uh, altercations themselves? Mm-hmm. Right? What if you removed that system of it? What if it was just like uh, a street fight type thing? You I know? feel like it's and one it's of those. Like you're going to learn by just beating the absolute hell out of each other. What's yeah, one right? of those There's things no system. Like a healthy in between. Mm. It's going to be a little bits of both. Like you're not just going to have one extreme side of it and have that be the sport itself. You're going to have aspects of both and that's what's kind of what's going to make it fun for you because you're going to receive that kind of variety in the sport. You're going to Right, but again, that's that's playing within the system. So yeah. what I'm what I'm curious to is that let's take an actual scenario for example in mm. gang violence. And, if, and, you know, if you're part of a gang and they prop you up and it's like, all right, your initiation is you got to go beat the crap out of this other kid. And it's like if you if you fail, like you're done, like you, you're either dead or out of the gang. And so I think those are more like real examples where it's like, hmm, wait a minute, maybe physical, uh, you know, uh, altercations aren't necessarily the modality that we're focusing on. But it's the system 
of self-responsibility and within the bounds of uh, regular societal rules that start to become the important to factor. Me, I don't know that taking it to that level of extreme is almost perverting that. Like it's almost perverting the idea of like the trust in a team and right, right. your team saw like if you're going to even call it that is getting you to do something so insane and so crazy. No, I, I agree. That it's I, like, I, I think they're in different categories. Yeah. Yeah. I, but that's what I find is interesting. Yeah, is it yeah, like, absolutely. so do we think it's the team? Do we think it's the art? Do we think it's the system that helps to build those healthy relationships? Or is it the actual physical act that helps person a person to learning to grow? I think it's a combination of both. Okay. Because you, wrestling is not wrestling without the physical aggression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you need it. So, but right, there's, there's the extreme of it in which you, you break someone's neck or you break someone's collarbone. That's not okay. But the thing is, is like wrestling practice every day is just, you come in, you warm up, you drill for a little bit and then you go live, which is just controlled beating each other up Mm. and wrestling hard. That's Mm -hmm. it. But it's not full blown trying to hurt each other which is the difference so i think is a combination of the two that make it necessary because wrestling without the physical aggression and just how difficult it is to be successful in wrestling it's just not wrestling that's just the nature of the sport like what so would you, yeah what would you do exactly yeah. like you can't wrestling inherently is difficult football inherently is difficult like you can't take that away from it but there is going too far in terms of gang violence it's you know, the whole point of all of that is your initiation is to harm people. It's not it's for to become better. It's not to win. It's mm-hmm. so that you can be a part of a brotherhood that you want to be a part of, which, you know, obviously isn't a real brotherhood. Right, but I, I find it interesting because you well, still probably have the relationship of self-satisfaction for completing a task in the yeah. way of physical violence. Let me try to satisfy though that. Yeah. Because I, I think out of the four of us, Logan, I don't know all the sports that you may have done unless you were just strictly an intellectual. That's the one thing I don't know a ton about you. An intellectual. Intellectually. Intellectually. Oh, but, um, intellectually. What, real quick, what sports were, actually did um, you perform? Growing up, I played a lot of baseball, basketball, those okay. types of sports. So you and me were in the same vein. And okay. then once I got to about sixth grade high school, I did lacrosse okay. for a while. Got it. So those were <laughs> kind of the three main sports I was a part of. All right. I'd say I probably did baseball and lacrosse for the longest period of time, and I enjoyed lacrosse the most out of any of the sports that okay. I did. Because I was going to say, just to kind of answer Jack's question, who yeah. just had to run off real fast, that's okay. But – being that I played soccer, a lot of the times I played soccer with people that didn't speak the language and I never related to them ever. Yeah. And there'd be times where I could go, you know, a couple weeks playing with guys at a local park, never knowing their full name, you know, Miyamo, you know, Ben or something like that, being able to get by with just their names and never really developing an actual relationship with them. Yeah. And rather than developing a relationship, still working towards that common goal, like Dan said, was enough to kind of fulfill me rather than hosting around a team because it never felt like a team that I knew them being a part of a team is knowing somebody's values is knowing that you come across like you may have one of the guys in your court you know when you're wrestling that you go he's better than me and he's got values that are better than me work wise workout wise I want to go against him like I never got that in a lot of soccer matches it was just he's talented he's talented he's talented 
I'm just going to go against them. We're going to go up against the pegs that are against that us. That occurs in wrestling, too. It does. So uh, if I you wrestled, removed yourself from this guy, team. Um, he's he's co- one of the coaches now at my old high school, and he's from Colombia. Okay. He, he competes actively in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, okay. but he is also huge into freestyle wrestling and very, very broken English. But you can still – what's interesting with wrestling is probably different from your experience in, in soccer. Is well, tell me, tell me first because you may be surprised because I know last year we were surprised how similar the psyche was. Right. It's not like hockey and wrestling. It was there was a lot of similarities. Well, I suppose with wrestling is that you you do develop a relationship with the person you wrestle. Mm-hmm. Like you start, you don't really need to talk. Sometimes you just kind of get to know the person because certain things frustrate them, or they come in and they're in a certain mood, and you can just tell. Or, um, you know, like wrestling with a guy who doesn't necessarily know English as well, you start to. The only reason you start to be able to score on him is because he has very particular flaws and you just expose them. Okay. You know, so it's like you develop a relationship without words. Okay, that's fair. Because you kind of go through the suck together. Then I think I'm wrong on my case then because that would be true in soccer being that if I'm playing at a left wing and I'm going against a right back, I can usually pick out issues in his game without ever talking to him in a relationship. I mean that's the same though. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying, saying I'm we, saying I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you do. I'm just. I guess I was the extra thing is that you do kind of develop a bond with that with that person. But it's that not you the wrestle. natural one that you're that you would get yeah. from like me and you t- having a conversation. Correct. It feels natural though. It feels because you when you wrestle you actually feel comfortable with the person that you wrestle with all the time mm-hmm. and you don't like wrestling new guys sometimes. Really. Yeah, I found that to be, but sometimes yeah. that might just be like I hated going. Laziness. That's one difference between me and you. I hated going up against the same guy every week. Really? I hated that because I like to be able to use my old tricks. Hmm. I never like to be yeah, able to I go. That's true. I like to be able to be able to like, if I'm playing on a left side and I'm a right-footed player, I'm going to be able to swing right and come back You're left, able to use and they're going to yeah. they're going to buy that I'm going to go to the middle more because they're going to think I'm a lefty. I think some of that's true in wrestling, but I think part of it is that. You develop that that relationship with your wrestling partner in terms you both understand what's going too hard, yeah. what's not. Like okay. Jack and I were talking about sometimes you have partners in martial arts where the dude just goes way too hard. Yes, that's like when I was just, talking to you about the sexual groups. I've had three people reach out to me that have told me that they've had people come into not jujitsu, but it was um I think it was taekwondo that just liked the touching. That got weird. But yeah, that's another that, that, that's that another story in, that happens in freestyle. That came to you after our conversation from our style. podcast, or no, that was just uh, just, just a little bit ago. Oh, I brought it up briefly, so I, I just want to make sure everybody, yeah, because yeah, you are just people sat in back down. Who are the same way? Who just like the touching? But usually, you can tell with yeah. those guys because um, they don't care if they win or lose because they're typically smiling throughout the whole match. Yeah, no, I, it's just kind of weird, creepy. Um, no, but I, it's so true. I mean, I, I've told you this story before, Dan, but I don't think I've ever t- told anybody else, which is uh, when I was in Austria and I went to a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym for like uh, a few months, like there was this one dude that I rolled with. He was probably pretty close to my age, but he was like a little bit smaller, but just like a lot quicker. And I remember we got into like this fight and I could tell that he was just like way over the top. Like, he was a, a belt above me and just knew a lot more moves. And I was just like, dude, like, you need to relax. Like, I'm not going to be the best rolling partner. Like, I'm still a white belt. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. But he just went super hard. 
And so eventually, like, he was legitimately hurting me. So I, like, picked him up and, like, tossed him down and, like, grabbed his arm and, like, twisted it. And I was like, you need to stop. And then we got into a roll just, like, a few seconds later, and he bit me. Oh, my And it's God. like, dude, like, he was just going way over the top, didn't understand, oh, like, where I... to stop. And, like, obviously, like, there must have been something going on. Like, he was, he was exerting some aggression that was just completely not appropriate for that scenario. And I was right. like, I'm trying to practice, like, martial arts. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to actually get in a fight with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. so that's, that's the interesting part where Dan starts talking about this, this idea of, like, you build a, a, a trust network with your teammates. Because you have to know that, like, hey, I'm going to be putting you in this mean hold. I need to know that you're not actually trying to kill me. No. And it's like, that's the type of dude, the one that I rolled with, that you will never roll with again. Because it's like, there is no trust. We have guys on the wrestling team here that everyone just knows we don't want to wrestle with them. Because of the kind of guys that the way that they wrestle, it's, it's, it's not like they're trying to get better or help you get better. They're just trying to hurt you. And it's weird. I personally don't wrestle those guys because I know that if I get mad, I'm going to try and triple them so well, I plus just don't you do have it. old injuries that could get exacerbated yeah, yeah that's happens. the other thing i have to be very particular about who i wrestle with because i'm prone to injury with certain parts of my body with my shoulder and neck so i have to wrestle people who their style does not injure that if that makes sense mm-hmm. absolutely so. man wow yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, it's one of those topics that you can go on forever about, but it it just fascinates me because I'm having people coming on to talk a little bit more about it, and I don't know. We started with video games when we get to teams and relationships that you have in in general, and this actually brings me to one of my topics I wrote down for you guys in particular because you guys like to entertain versus me. I'm very, I like to keep to myself. It's a bigger difference between us that we've had as friends, but... What do you guys think of, like, I call them fleeting relationships. You meet them for, like, a night, and that's probably all the back and forth you'll have is people that kind of take advantage of a house party or something like that. Can't stand them. Okay, we got one vote. Uh, (laughs) And you're speaking uh, purely from a platonic uh, standpoint? Yes, non-relationship. I I can think of, like, fleeting relationships. and like Not a one-night stand, not sexual. I'm talking, like, you come, there's a guy that came with a guy that you don't know. You... I guess I shouldn't say I can't stand them. I I think what I'm getting at when I say I can't stand them is people who kind of act buddy-buddy, and then the next day it's as if you don't exist. That's why I bring it up. Because I've been getting a lot of complaints about that. Right. You see them on campus. They recognize you. You recognize them, but you just don't know if it's okay to say hi, and then there's just an awkward interaction, which I don't blame them for. But that could be due to alcohol as well. Where like people just become a lot more of a social butterfly when they're intoxicated, and so it's a little more awkward when you see them the next day because maybe they are a little bit more of an introverted individual unless they are intoxicated. Mm-hmm. So that's difficult, I think, from that standpoint. But there are a lot of people even to that point where it doesn't matter if it's alcohol or not. Like they just legitimately are trying to be cool with you in the scenario. But a- a- apart from that, they really just don't care. Okay. Well, let me let me focus in a little bit on Logan being our. our Social butterfly of the most. He is. He is. Uh, yeah, but I, 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 I beyond the pupil. The reason stage, I set this question up monarch. is is kind of of a sub question is, and this is gonna make me sound like a dick, but I, I legitimately want to know this because I'm curious because I'm a guy that prefers quality over quantity. I yeah. like to really know somebody. I have trust. I don't want to say trust issues, but I really, I, I look forward to trusting people in a way that's foundational. Yet, 
you being my friend, you're very comfortable meeting somebody for an evening and just being that it, that's it. What is the value that you see in that? I guess the value that I see in a relationship like that, like I'm, I don't meet that person and say, oh, this is going to be, I'm never going to see this person again. I'm never going to, I like to treat a lot of the interactions that I have in ways that like are going to affect me down the line or going to like impact me down the line. Like I want, I, I don't assign a value to like a certain social interaction, but like I treat them all like they're important. And to me, like me coming off, as like my authentic self and me being able to understand that like I want to see who this person is because if I don't know them who's to say that they're not going to become one of my best friends a year Hmm. from now so I want to be able to meet people I want to be able to kind of like understand what like what makes them tick so that I can kind of like see like oh okay like maybe like this person would be a great person to invite to a party or this person would be a great person to invite out and like play like a competitive sport with or like like I don't know I just I enjoy meeting others and I enjoy being able to like get to know them at least a little bit better even if it's gonna be like I'm not gonna see them for a while okay interesting yeah I just have always had that curiosity because I I like to meet new people Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things that it always made me very uncomfortable just in general to meet somebody for an evening mm-hmm. and then to have like what Jack said is to walk around and you're like, I know who you are, yeah. but you're never going to recognize me or anything like that. You're never going to give me any value for taking the risk yeah. of walking up and introducing myself. For me, that kind of like dives a little bit in, even into like social pressures because I think it really like turns into the point of where, Oh, should I say hi? Should I not say hi? And mm-hmm. I think you just kind of got to get to the point where it's like, why does it matter? Because if you're not going to talk, you got two situations. Either you talk or you don't. And if you don't talk, like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I think if you just kind of throw yourself into it and mm-hmm. kind of see where it's going to go, like, I don't know, introduce yourself because, like, odds are, like, they're going to be more uncomfortable that they don't remember you than, than not. So, like... How dare you, Ben? I <laughs> I broke my own rule. He's a he's a, he's a popular <laughs> well, guy. He's I don't even more know popular if that than me. They do. Sits You'd here be amazed. About really? To make relationships oh my gosh, with people around yeah. campus gets text message. Oh, how dare I'm you. yeah. I'm the least. <laughs> well, it's it's not that I won't go out and socialize. It's just right, that no, but I, people. It's taxing. especially it now. Emotionally it's taxing. extremely taxing today, especially as a communication major, and how clicky things can be, and how tight knit groups can get. It's hard to break into different groups, and well, most people subject themselves to one-night stands of chat without intrinsic value, without any follow-up, without ever yeah, realizing. Yeah. And well, I just a lot see of that as a waste. I, I do, and I know that's me, and I know that makes me sound like a dick because partially it's no, true. But it's unfortunate because some people aren't willing to reach out and actually like hang out and like do stuff. Yeah, it's well, like you see them at a party or you know them from around, yeah. and it's like, hey, you want to come by? And it's like the next thing you know that they're saying, it's like, oh, who do I know there? And it's yeah. like. Like, I can understand if you're uncomfortable, like bring a friend, like bring somebody that you're comfortable with, like yeah. introduce us, like let's, let's expand our circle a little bit. But it, it does seem like some people are kind of not comfortable or maybe just not interested in doing that well, sometimes. And I, I think it's unfortunate. I think a lot of people are dying for connection. But the thing is, is that with connection comes vulnerability. 
right mm-hmm. and, and effort for that matter that's yeah right so i think part of the reason why people ask who do i know there is because if they go there and they don't know anybody they feel vulnerable Awkward, which they that's feel why whenever sense. i go <laughs> definitely to, felt that way at a party before right, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, like, every party i, I go to yeah. yeah me at the bar okay yes. yeah so i go to the bar and i know nobody partially because i'm a transfer student I mean, it's one of the struggles we've had is we yeah. don't know as many people in our our grade is because we're new no, here people really? thought i was a freshman i was like that's really? the reason I'm keeping a beard on. Yeah, because I look like a kitten. Remember when I shaved for like I the suppose, first time in yeah. four years? But that's besides the point. Sorry. Yeah, anyways, I guess I was just trying to say, like, I think most, even even if you have a friend, it's just so difficult for you to put yourself out there and even say hi. And you're kind of, you got all these thoughts in your head where you're like, well, what am I even going to say without si- sounding weird? I mean, yeah. a couple of weekends ago, Jack, you uh, you and Logan were and Lukey were trying to push me to talk to somebody that i had interest in right and part of the reason why i just was like i'm not going there is because i i felt too vulnerable you know mm-hmm. right and i think that Actually, happens i mean, well, I mean especially when it's someone that you're interested in right oh, but like that adds a right because I, I was i was teasing you because i was like oh come on like i'm friends with her and i could just go over there and talk to her you're like but it's uh, not the same it's not the yeah. same and you've yeah. got all these conflicting thoughts of like oh what if it's weird and then they right. think of you as this weirdo walking around a campus that's right terrible. that's the and big danger because then it spreads to friends and then you're like yeah. now oh, i've campus, eliminated like 15 right. people that i will never get a chance with right right and it's not even like romantic it's nothing like yeah. that that the wind's picking up for those listening. The wind's <laughs> yeah, picking those up. Blinds. Those are blinds. It's not yeah. like we got a bunch of horses or tap dancers running through here. No, I think for they're actually in the back. The horses are in the back, so they're not. I got in the my horses hotel room. in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a lot of people at parties, they. I mean, I think a lot of people just in general are dying for a connection, but they aren't willing to do what it takes to actually have that connection because there's everyone else around us is in the same boat. Well, and yeah. social media and stuff like that doesn't help either. Yeah. yeah. But ben, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree with what Logan was saying earlier where it's like I think it's really interesting to like delve into a conversation with somebody that I've never met before like mm-hmm. even if it is like a, a fleeting relationship type scenario where it's like I may never talk to this person again it's like I'm here now I'm trying to enjoy myself yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I'm not talking to anybody and uh, really, let's meet this person let's see what's you, going on with you them you really never know too how that specific situation is going to impact another person because you have your perspective you don't have theirs so who's to say you don't something you don't say something or like do something that's authentic that's like real to your person that they end up carrying with them into the future. Right, like they could be having a really really terrible night and they they're not showing it. Um, and you go up because you're just genuinely curious and you don't think much of it. You're like looping this your back on me now. Yeah, you're looping right? this back on me because it's the reason I have the show. <laughs> yeah. And now you're putting words against me and I get that, nah, right? It's not, it's, <laughs> not even, it's not even that. It's so, it's so hard to even yeah. like, because in a lot of those situations too, if you even if loop it back, loop the loop back onto me, it's like maybe in that moment you don't see a value in it. But, like, who's to say that that conversation or that something, like, won't turn into something else? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's – you never know if you're going to, like, make someone's day or, like, do something like that. And, yeah. like, for me, it's, like, I have a heavy sense of regret if I don't do something. Like, if I am thinking all of a sudden, like, hey, I should do this, and then I don't end up doing it, opposed to if I do, I think about it con- Constantly, you and I are completely opposite there. I would, I would like, 
I'm just like, why wouldn't I have done it? Like, what's stopping me yeah, from I doing this? Less. And <laughs> so I'm just like, why, I'm, why wouldn't I? I'll be I? the one in the boat with you because I think about the smallest little things, but I think it comes from my background in comedy. I think yeah. about the smallest little things too, but I think about the smallest little things that I did, well, I not think, what I could have done. Right. Yeah. So I think where me and Logan agree is that, you know, there is a value to actually just maybe like trying to approach these people and trying to see where things go. Because like, who knows? Like my, my fun story with Logan is the way that we met. And it's yeah. like, I went to a graduation party our senior year of high school. Uh, Logan went to a completely different school. I'd never met the kid in my life. And a mutual friend of ours who I just happened to meet at the party because I went alone just because I was like, whatever. Like, I just want to, I'm bored. Like, I want to do something. It's going to be a little awkward, but I'm sure I know some people there. Ended up running into some friends. Next thing you know, she's introducing me to uh, her friend Logan, who happens to be going to the same college with me in a few months. Boom. Mm. Instant friendship. Here we are. Like, yeah. who would yeah. have known? But I had to put now myself you've, out now there. Now you're I in the real to, shitter. You're right? on this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I had to be vulnerable <laughs> to begin with, right? And it's like, there was no way that was going to happen unless I put myself out there. And I took the chance. And what do you know? It ended up happening and by complete random chance. So that's where I definitely think I agree with Logan. Now, where I think I agree with Dan on the idea of like, you know, I could care less is it is exhausting. And sometimes you need to focus on yourself and put energy towards people that are going to give you that energy back. And that's where it's like, you know, our joke where we're like, oh, I, I mutually hate everybody, you know, like yeah, evenly yeah. is like, you know, there's a certain part of me where it's like, listen, like if you want to be cool, like you want to be a quote unquote friend where I just like see you around and like you're somebody that I know from school. Like I got no problem with that. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. Like I, I want to be friendly to everybody. But if you don't want to invest in me, I'm not going to invest in you. And vice versa. If I try to invest in you and you don't give anything back, like I'm, I'm all right, cool, I'm done. Bye. Yeah, like, yeah. like it's exhausting, and you you have to be careful with your own mental health in that scenario where it's like, you know, listen, I time is your most valuable resource, and I only got a few minutes, so uh, if you're not giving me any time back, uh, see you later. <laughs> no, it's very true. So I see it from both perspectives, and I think it's really interesting. Yeah, it's one of those things that's been a new interest to me, and. I, I bring it up with Logan because Logan really showed me, I think, two weeks ago about that. And it's something I realized that I abuse a lot as a person is I go through life and it's like, oh, hit or miss. But really, you should expect everything to be a miss until you land hit. Hit or you miss. Know? Don't bring it up. <laughs> you know. Swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hit or it's miss, you say. <laughs> Jack, you ignorant bug. slut. You God, know I have a TikTok addiction. <laughs> I swear to Christ, don't say it. Uh, yeah. You ignorant slut. <laughs> you know I have a TikTok addiction. It's not to be vented, all right? <laughs> you got a boyfriend? Maybe. Stop. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not going to complete it. Yet. You better not. I will pause your mic. <laughs> This Don't think I won't either. Mute him. This man has immeasurable power. Yeah, I have a board. <laughs> no, no, no. What's, what's the Star Wars quote? Unlimited power. I love democracy. I love the Republic. <laughs> I hey, say we all know as I mute. Jar Jar Binks is the real <laughs> villain oh, here. Mr. Jar Jar Binks. Mr. Love the Jedi. Careful with that. Might get stuck with the that actor. My, never one of the, one of my favorite quotes from Jar Jar 
uh, and what we use in, in wrestling. We're gonna really the piss people team. off now. Oh no. no, no, it's just it's the simple one. Oh it's, yes, prequels were better. Might give up. Might give up. Might give up. It's like. We'll be wrestling. Like, I don't know. It's just like, oh my God. I think of this quote when I'm wrestling and then someone takes me down and I'm like trying to prevent them from taking me down and then they're just going to get it. And in my head, I just think, my give up. <laughs> like, and then I go to the mat, you know? Cause I just oh know my it's over. God. But it's something that a lot of the guys on the team say all the time. So it's one my of give up. quotes. My give up. My give up. I think we um, found your first t-shirt. Oh, that'd be, that'd be amazing. That'd be funny. I got a discount code for um. Actually, that'd be group? a Tommy Johnny T-shirt. You just put like Tommy's. Be like, mind give up. I looked at uh, <laughs> customing once because people were t- calling me and so saying like, expensive. it is expensive, and I just wanted to kind of ballpark prices, you know. And I was like, mm-hmm. people were telling me, oh, you should sponsor, you know, and do different things, have fun with it. And I was like, one of my favorite things about the podcast I listen to is that you can get shirts with like inside jokes and you'll walk around and you'll see somebody at the mall like, I know that. Like, I know you yeah. listen to the same podcast as me. And I thought, oh, I've already got some quotes going already. Oh, that would be perfect yeah. to put on a t-shirt for Dan. <laughs> It'd be your face. Mine give up. Mine give up. It, should be, it should be Dan's picture with him with his uh, beard. Oh, the ginger beard where he looks like Abraham Lincoln. Wizard Dan. Wizard Dan. Wizard Dan. No, that... Uh, Ooh, I, I, as I'm long as the wrestling that. team gets credit as well. Oh yeah, it's Billy getting his arm inverted. <laughs> oh, and it okay. just says, "Might give up." Might give up. <laughs> okay, all right. Just a little bit of explanation. Please. High school classmate of mine and Jacks wrestled. Tried. To, he gave it a shot one year because I really pushed him into it. He's a bodybuilder. And so one of the things about wrestling is a lot of people who wrestle for a while. They learn, you know, when you're getting taken down, when someone's taking you down. There's a certain way to fall to the mat. Please don't tell me this is going to get graphic. I mean, just a know, little. Just oh, a little. no. So basically, Billy. Um, oh, no. I mean, honestly, like, this is brutal. Tough guy for this. But <laughs> he uh, he got taken down. It was a double leg takedown. So basically a tackle. Okay. But so when that happens to you, most people turn so that their belly lands on the mat, right? <sighs> Billy didn't do that. Billy, like a lot of people who haven't been used to getting taken down, he just put his arm back. Oh, no. No. And posted. <laughs> oh, no. And the problem with doing that is if you do that, your elbow is going to bend the other way. Which is exactly what it did. Yep. End of story. Ben's so, grossed out. There on, some, this is a reason him. I'm not a doctor. We from call, there on, we yeah. called him Bionic Bill. We called him Bionic Bill. His <laughs> surgery, and he had he had this oh. like he had this cast on, or not cast. It was like this he brace. Had, like, he had like the retractor brace where yeah, you could and, like. Oh my oh, god! Wow, I really like the audio. Yeah, dude. Just there. Yeah. yeah. I, I offered well, Jack well, a we, chance to do some ASMR, but he was like, ah, I'd like to do some other things. Interesting. He makes his money well, the other ways. With, with Billy, what we would do, because it had a locking mechanism on his brace. So he was, because of his elbow, you know, he had to operate within a realm of. Yeah, John McCain mobility. range, where you can't lift it above your head. <laughs> yeah, except, except it was his elbow. So what we would do, me and my buddy John, we'd just walk up to him and just click the locking mechanism when he wasn't paying attention. So then he would turn. You know, it's just a minor inconvenience. But he would turn to like do something and then he couldn't bend his arm and all all you would hear is Billy go like, God damn it. <laughs> I just imagine him in like chemistry class where he's trying to reach and his arm swings and he knocks over like a beaker. No, no, no. You know what class it was that we did it to him? 
no. campus ministry. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't chemistry. It was our religious class. <laughs> we could, <laughs> that we basically would just torture the guy. Oh, so, no. But I sat. He was a good guy. Which is where God damn it builds a new context. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is very true. Oh, oh yeah, my God. Billy put up with it, and he always he always laughed. So. He had a good heart about it. A good oh. guy. Thank God. Yeah. Billy's he a good guy. Guy. Sense of humor. I, very good guy. Very, very nice. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I've met him once, and I think the longest... I think I talked to him about comedy for a short time. Because that's what he got, like... That was the only thing I really knew that may land with him. Is like, oh, yeah, I used to, I used to be a writer for comedy. And he's like... Really? <laughs> like, when, did you, when did you meet Billy? I met him when we when we went to the oh, U of we M together. We in, yeah, we were in Dickie over Town. the summer. Or That's when Dickie I Town? really started to get to know you guys. Yeah, yeah that was Dickie Town. Remember one time when we all went to it was like uh, Rock Castles. Yeah, we were at Rock yeah, Castles. I met Rock Castle. I met everyone. Yes. Yeah. Well, mostly everyone. Michael didn't. Come. That was the first. No, that was for. I thought that was the first time. Michael, you met Michael. came at the end. Michael came at the, no, I had met but Michael a couple had, of times. He had left. Michael that. and I, I hadn't gotten to know Michael. I still have yet to learn sure. who he is as a person still. You know, you got to give him credit. He's hard man to individual. Yeah, yeah, he's busy. But uh, that was the first time I met, like, Rock Castle. I met Billy. Hmm. Um, I got to really get to know Jordan. It, it was oh, Jordan, a great time. Yeah, okay. It was a great time. I was, that's the picture from it up on the wall there on yep, the yep. outpatient. Like, yep, yeah. Yep. Those are my unfortunately cut eyebrows. <laughs> I told Dan, I realize now that I have like ungodly big eyebrows and Bushy when I don't syndrome. when I don't mm. like keep them right, I can pick myself out of a picture without even seeing the rest of my face. No. It's terrible. You I mean, just put a picture up on the wall of just your eyebrow. Yeah, I would know. I Everyone would else know. wouldn't. I would know. Everyone okay, else okay. wouldn't know. Everybody's going to be like, what is that picture? It's like, don't worry about it. It's just just a reminder. It's for you, one single person, and they just need to know. <laughs> you have to fill in, like, guess a name who it is, and everyone's oh just like, I don't gosh. know. Fuck if I know. But one one interesting thing I wanted to bring up that I know me and Dan were talking about before this is uh, in a few days, the movie Joker will be released. Yeah, it's been absolutely sweeping box offices, and the private film screenings, like in um, – you know these film festivals it's just been killing yeah. people not I think it looks I think it looks amazing I'm I happy they're doing a different take and I'm happy they're not trying to recreate the drama that Heath Ledger was able to bring yeah you can't I, beat it you can't do it no and that's fine to to do something and do a different take of it I hate when people try to recreate it I'm worried about that with the new Top Gun movie that they're gonna try to recreate themes they, they, at the same time how do you not with There's people that want to remake The Princess Bride, and I'm like, don't, don't. No, do it. you no, don't you touch that do movie. It. You do not touch but that no, movie. But no, but I mean, on the topic of the Joker, so it's interesting, right? Because we're sitting here like, oh man, this looks amazing. Can't wait to see it. There are a lot of people that are like, this movie should not be in theaters. So, Dan, I mean, you're you're the one that's been reading into this. I mean, what do you what do you think about the, all that? I wouldn't say I've really been reading into this. It's more the cancerous I mean, film critic Dan. Yeah, it's mostly just the Cancer? cancerous. Uh, How dare you refer to me like that? Um. Stop it. We're going to get you a jersey with that on the back. That's because you survived. But anyways, I'm just kidding. Glad that you're here. I was just going to say that um, the farthest I've gone into reading into it is the cancerous news stories on Snapchat. You know, where people are talking about how they're protesting that this movie is being, you know, aired. I understand that in certain theaters, you know, where uh, in Colorado, you know, where mass shootings have occurred. Aurora Theater. I understand that they wouldn't want to show that. But well, in especially terms of that's a Batman movie. That was the one that got shot up. Right. 
I yeah. just it what what bothers me is kind of the the uh, insinuation that because this movie is about a marginalized white guy who's dealing with mental health issues, again with the stigma stigma about mental health and violence, that therefore we are encouraging violent mass shootings, and we shouldn't allow this movie to be broadcasted. I disagree with that. I disagree with it too because I think the interesting part that we were talking about is like now they're going to increase security at the uh, well the Aurora theater isn't showing it but other theaters are uh, increasing security as like a precaution uh, when that movie premieres because they're worried that some, some person might do it it's like but hold on a minute by increasing security you may actually be encouraging a shooter to show up even more because in many of these cases, it's not about, like, the movie content. It's about attention-seeking behaviors. And so from our perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, it's about the issue of, like, if you increase security and you increase these issues and you give a lot of attention to the, the problem, like, that person's – that's the exact scenario that they're looking for uh, when it comes to the, the scenario in which they're, they're – choosing to go and actually perform. I would say you're correct in attention seeking. Yeah. I wouldn't say that a scenario in which there's increased security would attract. Okay. They're interested in the attention because there's a reason why, I mean, these are socially contagious events. So the more we talk about the shooters and the more, um, kind of publicity we give that shooter and their story, the more likely it is that people who are dealing with the same kind of, patterns and their behavior and their thoughts will follow suit because they wish to have the same attention. They will not actively seek scenarios in which there's increased security. No. They will seek scenarios in which they will be successful. Right. Okay. But this, but also get the attention in which they're... Which they want. Yeah. But that will come after they succeed. So then do you think that's due to the popularity and the attention around the movie being uh, taboo? Or, what do you mean? Like, so you're you're saying it's not due to the security? Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, but then, what what is it about that situation that you think has people worried about the potentiality of there being a shooter? I think it's the misconception that a movie on that topic will cause people will cause people who are mm. susceptible to that behavior. So, do you think it's going to happen simply based on the content of the movie? No, I think it will happen based on the content of media. Ah. So the fact that they're drawing so much attention to you Correct. think influences the potentiality. And of it, being it's somebody. not that they're drawing attention to the movie; it's that they're drawing to the c- attention to the connection to right mass shooting right. and mass violence. Right. Like, that's what I mean. So then, that's interesting. Then, so then, even if you don't necessarily support their, that's interesting. So you d- you don't you don't support the the fact that you think that it's about a marginalized white man. Uh, being mentally unstable. In the I don't think that or, was the point of the movie. The point of the movie is that it's based off of a freaking comic. Right, 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 right. But then that's what people are pointing to. But you th- then think that the byproduct of them then talking about it is the main issue. Correct. Interesting. Because they don't understand it's interesting, the actual right? issue. Yeah. They, they, you know, and keep in mind, I'm an undergraduate student. I have no professional No, this is a education. student podcast. They'll get a warning yeah. at the beginning. But like... Yeah, I think it's this common mis- misconception that if you make a movie about this topic, that therefore this will happen. I mean, otherwise, yeah. based off of that logic, every violent movie that's right. been released is directly responsible for right. all violence that occurs in the United States. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. A movie about the Joker and a marginalized white man who's struggling with mental illness 
is just a movie about a guy, white guy who's struggling with mental illness and people mistreating him. That's what it's about. It, it, it's not, you know, it's not this grandiose message about mass shooters. And that's what annoys me when people are like, this is just another movie talking about, you know, white people who suffer when really they don't suffer because white people are privileged. I think that's just the yeah. wrong way to go about it. Yeah, that's a whole different topic. But right. Well, and this happened, um, I'm amazed that this is the movie that's picking up that pace because The Fanatic just came out with John Travolta, which is considered one of the worst movies that came John out. John Travolta's still going? He is still <laughs> going, my man. But the movie's really similar. It's about a guy who has some sort of mental illness that lives on the street that stalks his favorite movie star. And he ends up killing the housemate and he ends up torturing the movie star. This is spoiler Why was alert. it a flop? Because tr- tr- it's you have to see this movie. <laughs> there's really a, bad. I'm it's really bad. Because the wig work was the terrible. Room? The writing Yikes. is awful. The deaths are funny. It's supposed. It takes itself far too seriously. And at some points, it just doesn't make sense. Like the the way the characters interact with each other doesn't make sense. The actor is mean to the fanatic, and the fanatic is like playing victim the whole time. But there's no reason that the actor should be mad at him all the way through the movie. He should get progressively mad as he continues to stalk him. But from the get go, he's just an asshole right off the bat. There's no progression of character. There's no rise in the story in how t- character develops. And because you're dealing with somebody who's got a mental illness, they don't grow the same way. This is, you can do a it's lot probably with. Probably a pretty inaccurate depiction of mental illness. It is. Again, it is a it very. It adds to this whole image that if you're mentally ill, you're violent. Yep. But this is a movie that did not catch any flack. Wasn't but it? again, then we're talking about a movie that was marginalized because it's a lower budget movie by an actor. John Travolta, who's been marginalized, hasn't done a lot of work, and the director is actually a former musician who uses his own band's music and calls upon that band directly in the movie. It's just, it's a mess of a movie. Yeah, you got to see this movie. It's Uh, one of the ultimate bad movies that you'll see in the next couple (laughs) years. Classic case of ego kind of just kind of inserting itself. It's just fucking funny, dude. It's a funny ass movie, but it does. It's a popular topic to depict right now. It's one of these things that we want to see in theaters is mental illness, violence, and you're just going to have white people kind of come into that because that's what most of Hollywood is, I feel like. Well, I mean, typically... It's just this movie in general. Right now, mental illness, depression, and suicide is really common amongst middle-aged white men, but I don't know. It it bothers me because, again, it's just a misrepresentation of reality that mentally ill people are violent. It's just not true. Well, let me let me change gears because this was also a question I wanted to bring you guys to was especially because we all are, I think we can all admit we're in different parts of subcultures, in how we kind of take in media and popular culture. But what is up with people's like desire to have drama in their lives? The the desire. This is more of an interesting question to me because there's a great joke by Joe Rogan about. Catherine Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, Catherine Jenner. I'm sorry, Caitlyn. Thank you, Caitlyn. When she came out, there was curtains, there was like music, there was a big coming out story. There's this drama building around big media events, and you can see this even in news now. Why do you think people in general, and even us as college students, that there needs to be some sort of drama going on in life, or some sort of depiction that makes it like a stage, like a theatrical event? I think I don't, yeah no Jack, you I was just gonna simply <laughs> like, I think yeah. I think media is obvious right 
They're just yeah. trying. They're, just they're trying getting to clicks, get the views, right? Like yeah. they're yeah. just it's trying to get the content like viral mm-hmm. out there. So I mean, I think media propping that up is the obvious answer. But, but is why your, does is it your keep question? Why, why does that keep yeah, growing? Because when I tune on to CNN, why do I see eight people screaming at me rather than two? Well, it's why not just is it that CNN. it just keeps growing? I'm just giving one example. I'm just giving one example. It's exactly what I think. People are more apt to want to watch other people's drama because it distracts them from the drama that is filling their lives. Because I don't think you're going to be able to live a life without some form of, like, something happening, whether that's good or bad. Well, does life have to be filled with drama to be considered eventful? I think people are attention-seeking no matter what we're talking about. So we just got off this whole entire topic of mental illness and attention-seeking behaviors, but I think Yeah, I felt like it was seeks, a bridge to bring I think up. everybody seeks attention, and I think social media is the most obvious example of said issue. And so, uh, you know, you go on Instagram and it's like you're going to post something a little, you know, flashy sometimes. You know, I think this happens with men and women where they they post like a a guy can be a shirtless pick or, you know, a girl, you know, showing off a little bit. And it's like, ooh, it's kind of kind of flashy a little bit. Yeah, it's a little dangerous, a little risque. You kind of want like the attention. It's kind of fun. Right. Mm -hmm. And some people get off on that with just being like um, devil's advocates. There's, there's all different ways that people seek attention, and I think it's really interesting, and I, I think everybody's guilty of it. I just think that we notice it a lot in college because we're in a really, you know, just generally politically charged environment in which conversations like that come up all the time. But if you're offended, it's almost like, man, like, you know, that's something serious. And then, But then it's like, at the same time, do you build like a, uh, you know, um, do you become insensitive to it the more it happens? And yeah. so it's almost like the boy who cried wolf, right? It's like, if I'm offended all the time, it's like, you know, when I'm actually offended, who's going to care? Yeah. And so I think that's an interesting point, too. But I don't know. I just kind of rattled off like a million points. So No, no. It's fair because it's one of those topics that's so open. That's why I wanted to just kind of pick your brains on it because I, I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of people, especially just because now we're doing podcasts and generalized, you know, content for people to listen to. What turns people to go to drama? Because what I could s- this is not dramatic in any way, what mm-hmm. we're doing right now, and people are going to listen to it, right? Mm-hmm. But then I there's hope. <laughs> you would hope that Absolutely. we don't sound dramatic, right? I mean, you would hope that we weren't over the top. You hope that we're just a bunch of guys either. sitting in a room having a discussion. But the things that are most consumed often are the stuff with the over dramatics, and they're coming back more and more. We're seeing the Bachelorette, we're seeing the Bachelor mm-hmm. take over, and people. Real Not identified by that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to get my housewives in. <laughs> Why is but it that everyone on Real Housewives is from, like, freaking Boston? Because there that's where the gangs are. There are yeah. so there many. There are so many. The accents. I mean, I don't have cable or anything. But no, like, Dan, every time I would go to my uncle's for Thanksgiving and all I would do is watch cable TV because he had it. <laughs> like, I just avoid the rest of my family because uh, I was eight years now, old and now, everybody hold on else a minute. was 20 now, hold on a minute, Dan. What? There's an interesting point. Why is it that when you're sitting around the dinner table with like family members or something, you know, you'll have the awkward Midwestern talk where it's like, oh, how you doing? Oh, you at school right now? What are you studying? Wow, that's really interesting. Oh, my God. God. Did you hear what Donald Trump said on the news? Like, it's like someone wants to bring up the thing that's like kind of like dicey. 
because it gets the conversation rolling sometimes. Yeah. My right? family is not like that. No, but like you guys have your own dicey conversations. Well, yeah, things, because right? because my brother kind yeah, of comes Tom out, of the, in out of the gate and he just is argumentative and is he the lawyer? Yeah. Yes. But he's not the only lawyer. Right, Ferentz? He he just my mom and a lot of us just describe his personality as a bull in a china shop. And he just is kind of abrasive and runs I the dinner table. I think of a bull. P-O-W-L. Well, get that, that nonsense out of your Sorry, head. Sorry, man. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I think of the Mythbuster bull, no, no, where they just yeah. run a bull straight run, through a china shop. He runs the dinner, table, he runs like the dinner no table like a courtroom. You know, it's just like, yeah. and I don't know. It, it, it's a little tough to manage. But, yeah, but like you said, yeah, it seems like someone just wants to bring up whatever it is. Right? It'll get people going. Yeah. And, and I think the fun part about that is that there may be, like, distinctions in, like, personality types in those scenarios where it's, like, your brother might be the person that, like, wants the attention. And so that's how he personally seeks it out. But other people might be the kind of individuals that just kind of wait on the sideline. And they're, like, kind of hoping somebody does that because they're going to jump right into the conversation when yeah. it happens. Well, he, I, he's yeah. not well then that goes back to what me and you talked about, about... It, it, to me, it touches on virtue signaling when that's just what people have heard and they can reverberate everything right. that they've heard. I do that with sports all the time. I re I bring back arguments that I've heard and I run them against like other contrasting arguments and all of a sudden I'm having a conversation about myself. You know. Could you reiterate your original question? Well, it was a short question in general is that why do people seek drama in their lives when right. necessarily isn't something that is beneficial to a lot of people. I think people have a really hard time being ordinary. You do? Again, in a world where we're, we're completely surrounded by people's highlight reels on social media, I think we have a really hard time being ordinary when we constantly have celebrities posting pictures of them on their yachts and on an island and mm. on doing this and doing that. You may even have classmates around you that are just much more wealthy than you that are afforded opportunities that you will never be able to or take. Or even the superhero movies that we see. Yeah, right, and like social media mm. and media in general. So not just talking about what we're being thrown at, but like, you know, entertainment. And it's like you start to build an unrealistic reality in front of you. Yeah. And you, you're like, man, like I really wish I could have that. So I think the drama adds to the ability of it, of your life almost becoming a movie, you know, as Logan's kind of getting into here where it's yeah. like, you watch these dramas and it's like, man, I want to be like them. So you almost try to emulate them by being dramatic. Yeah. I think that's a very realistic thing. I think people draw on that. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that I understand in one part, but at the same time, you know, there's this great joke. What do single people do? Well, they give relationship advice. What, you know, <laughs> what do they do? You know, well, Classic. there's there's this error to inviting that into your life and then complaining about it and wanting it to go away right. and then reinviting a new thing and then right. asking it to go well, away. We all know people who just seem it seems that their hobby is complaining about everything that's wrong in their life. Correct. Yeah. When they easily could fix that. And that's kind of well, where the base is. Well, it doesn't even matter if it's easily easy, an easy fix or not. Sometimes it just seems like they just want right. to complain or they well, talk so about what, what's hard. Mm. You know, we'll complain in, in a general sense with one another, and we can understand where, we're, where one another is coming from. But at the end of the day, if you really reflect universally, it's like, uh, excuse me, I am a college uh, student. I'm a white male. Uh, I have a lot of things going for me. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm studying hard, like I'm putting in the work. Not a lot of people have the opportunities that I've been afforded. Uh, if we want to look even beyond the scope of college, there's a lot of people in America that are struggling harder than me. But wait a minute. America is also 360 million people of the entire world of 8 billion. 
um, there's a lot of people out there struggling harder than them. It's like you can keep going and be like, hold on a minute. We're, we're, we're pretty lucky to be where yeah. we are. Do I really have any right to complain about anything? Yeah, no. And I think, you know, sometimes it's like, let, let the person complain. Let them just vent a little bit because it's healthy. But, like, you do kind of have to reflect on that and be like, you should be pretty happy with where you're at, man. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I do think that that is interesting. I think people do kind of just make drama. You know, I don't know why I was thinking about this earlier, but um, I know I know some uh, families and uh, family friends, and they have siblings or, or children, for that matter, uh, who have Down syndrome or who have, uh, you know, uh, autistic spectrum disorders and stuff like that. And it's like, think about it from if you were the parent of a uh, child with Down syndrome, it's like, yeah, they're, they're happy kids, don't get me wrong. Oh, but yeah. like, at the same time, there's a lot of issues that come with that in some very hard parental moments where like, you're not going to have them help you clean the dishes or do chores around the house or do A, B, or C. Like, there's going to be some moments where it's... Depending ex- on the severity. Right, right. But I guess the, the, the more important point that I'm getting at is that there's going to be some very ungratifying moments. Where you literally are like, why is this, you know, the stick that I drew in life as a parent? And it's a very depressing thought. And, like, obviously you don't want to point at that. But, like, you know, being a parent in general is already, like, a job that can be extremely ungratifying. Because nobody's sitting there patting you on the back as you're struggling, waking up at four in the morning, you're a crying baby. And then on top of that, if, you know, your, your child has some sort of, uh, you know... Uh, special cognitive issue it's like that just adds the the problem of it so i just think that it's really interesting when we talk about these issues and it's like people make more problems for themselves than they already have and it's like man think about the people that have already been put in situations where they day in and day out have problems that nobody else has and no one pats them on the back for Mm. it and i think that's why we find it so heartwarming when we see stories about like you know, parents that have had to struggle through A, B, and C, and it's like, yet they overcome, you know, like, it's like, man, that's, that's a pretty incredible story that kind of gives you hope that it's not all just about like this, that, and the other thing, but that there is some moment of gratification. And I don't know, you know, you hope that a lot of people get that in their life, but it may just be that some people just don't. Well, I think there's kind of a two, there's, there's two sides of a coin with the whole, I think we should be aware of this, something that I wasn't aware of until I took my theology class last mm. semester, which I struggled with. But it's the idea that a lot of, part of the reason why some people find those videos of those, those heartwarming videos of kids with Down syndrome so nice is, you know, like it, it sometimes seems as if those kids are used to make us feel as if, oh, at least I'm not that. You know what I mean? kind of a dark way to look at it maybe but it's like i feel like sometimes the way it's portrayed it's like it's what's the word i'm looking for it's not hollow but it just seems like disingenuous disingenuous well like and i get that you always have those follow-ups after three months I think Sometimes you go and you see where the story is three months later, and no well, one's clicking you guys, on that. Are you guys yeah. familiar with the, like the channel Special Books by Special Kids? Mm-hmm. And it's this guy oh. that goes in and interviews all sorts of different individuals, children's adults, with a variety of different issues. I mean, it starts you know with with people with autism uh, spectrum disorders and like Down syndrome, all the sure. way to uh, schizophrenic tendencies, and like and he just sits down and just makes them feel attended to. And just interviews yeah. them and just asks them real yeah. questions like, so why do you think that way? Like, tell me more. 
Like, mm-hmm. so instead of treating them as these kind of, I mean, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate like outliers in our society, he like tries to actually give them the attention. And by doing that, he videotapes it and tries to show it to the world about how these people yeah. actually feel and think. And I think that's yeah. extremely valuable. Right. Um, to your point, Dan, I, I, you know, I, I think that that could be an unfortunate reality for some people. Um, I don't know. When I watch the videos, I'm just like, man, I wish I could tap into the joy that some of these people seem to admit. When I when I watch those videos, yeah, I just think of like I think it's a beautiful thing to love these people, who, you know, life is worth living and then to love these people who have a life worth living where other people would not deem that life is worth living. Right. Um I don't know. I I just think it's a beautiful thing because these people like you said, they're not uh paid attention to, right? As much but when you do pay attention to them, it just means the world mm. yep. to them. And to wa- or to see that, and even in my own experience, when we did our senior project at Camp Friendship, um, you know, we had to do service hours in order to graduate. And I was at Camp Friendship, so it was, you know, children with autism, Down syndrome, a variety of developmental disabilities. And there was this one particular kid who... Um, you know, I had a letter jacket at the time, and it just made his entire day if he got to wear that jacket. And <laughs> it was in the middle of January, so mm. or whenever it was. Maybe it was March. It was over spring break. It was uh, probably uh, later end of the year. Yeah, it was later in the year, but it was still cold enough. Where yeah, like, it's still it probably Minnesota. Was, <laughs> probably wasn't a good idea to not wear my, my winter coat because I didn't have a winter coat. Like, my winter coat was my letter jacket. Yeah. It was the warmest coat I'd Me ever Me and you owned. were the same. Yeah. I wore my letter jacket, and you just threw on, like, a hoodie under it. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it made it all worth, like, it's 20 degrees out, <laughs> but I did not care because as long as he got to wear my letter jacket and was happier yeah. beyond, like, anyone I'd ever known, I didn't care. Brings a smile to your face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think, you know, back to your point, Ben, like, I think that people make drama in their lives because they're not those people and i think that sometimes you know people want the attention and they just you know i think everybody seeks connection and seeks you know uh emotional sympathy sometimes and if you don't have a partner to give that to you or you don't have a really great friend to give that to you every once in a while i think that people use unhealthy mediums to try to seek that attention sometimes Mm. and i think that for a lot of people can be drama specifically so Interesting. That's my perspective on it, at least. No, yeah, it's at one of those things I look my, at my social media. Thought process right now. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> could come up with more ideas later. Well, you know, it's within the bounds. Discussion yeah. show. I'm not looking for the right answer. No, I'm just looking for a answer. That's a great. It's a really interesting question. Yeah. Why do people do that? Well, yeah, and I know it came off very funny, but most of the time, I I have a problem with overthinking things, or I'll lay in my bed and I'll overthink. The smallest detail, like I'll be sitting at the table and I'll talk to my friend Hope and she's talking about The Bachelorette and that's where this idea came from. She'll be on the show later. I, she's helping me start. I think you know her, Logan. Hope. We'll tell the last name off um, Yeah. Okay. Off the, the recording just I for privacy. Quite yeah. a few hopes. But yeah. you definitely know which one I'm talking about. Oh, I know you're talking yep. about. We're we're all going to point at each other. We're all going to point at each other. I see. No, but I sit at the table with Isaiah, Leo, and all those guys. And she was sitting next to me, and she gave me this idea of 
from watching The Bachelor. I was going to do this show called like The Boyfriend's Guide or something like that. I've been working on it for a little while where I bring in Bennies to ask or request from a single guy what they want their boyfriend to do. And I thought it'd be kind of a funny awesome. comedic way to have an outlet for me because this is more serious. As a single guy, that's going to make me so frustrated. Just going to put that out there. Well, it's supposed to be funny because I'm going to fuck it up. A bunch of Bennies being like, this is what I want. And then we like try to talk to Bennies and then they're just so hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's supposed to be not Maybe serious. Maybe Sorry, and dude. I'm going to fuck it you, up. You touched upon a very sensitive part of my nature. I, I kind of want to like reach sad. out this and hold sad. your hand. This is hours. optimism we're trying sad to look at. Hours. There is no such thing as... I'm trying <laughs> to make you laugh. I'm trying to be an, your entertainment monkey. I to be fun. <laughs> your ent- entertainment <laughs> monkey. Watch me dance. Laugh at me. Watch me try to I cook. like it when they cross their legs. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, was, it was turning red. Already. Yeah, I know, because I was good? very upset. Okay, I'm just I'm Ben. Just, just just think back to the Bill Burr skit. Exactly, exactly. There's problems with me. <laughs> <laughs> problems and with all. Of I us. always know in a relationship that it's to work on me. Um, <laughs> no, but sounds like a fun segment. I'm though. getting away from this. Uh, I talked to Hope, and she gave me this idea. Long story short, she talked to me about the Bachelorette and how she wants. Her guy to be, you know, able to sit with it through her and understand it. I was like, that sounds like a hilarious bit. I kind of want to do it. Understand what? Exactly. Exactly, Jack. <laughs> to understand what the hell's going on and how it works. Like the, the structure of the show. Why? Oh, doing just it. like on a simple basis. Yes. You know, very I was, basic. I was about to sit here and be like, let's argue the philosophy. No, of no, the no, no, no. Because it is. It's, it's nothing to do with that. It's me trying to make it through a sitting of the Bachelorette without losing my goddamn Putting mind. Putting a fork in your eye? Exactly. Uh, my friend Kay is going to come and help me learn how to cook because she wants her boyfriend to know how to cook. And does I'm going to destroy she, that. Wait, like... This is the colonist. This is somebody who practices cooking. Oh. Yeah, but does she... Oh, is she, the colonist. Mm. Is she like <laughs> cereal? <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. What? I'm sorry. Doesn't she like what I make? Does she not well, like with the Cheerios? Name like K, I just think a special K. I'm no. sorry. What's wrong? I don't know. Guys. What's wrong with? Pockets. I don't know what every kiss begins with. <laughs> oh, I used to hate that commercial. You know, when you're like eight years old and you're like, oh, people kissing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it was always that commercial. Every kiss begins yeah. with okay. awkward <laughs> social situations in which you're expected to do things. So would I grab your hips or what? <laughs> Jeez, Ben. No. What would you want me to say? Something sweet? I think, profound? I think the, probably when I was growing up, like 10, I like to, to deal with that commercial. Like I'd sing along with it, but I wouldn't say K. I'd say every kiss begins with gay <laughs> so, oh so, my god wow so you're like when you're like honey we're making a left turn <laughs> no i don't know like i remember when i was in fourth grade for whatever reason for whatever reason the derogatory use of gay was like really really popular like everything was gay well, dude we you're were, so gay bro like, we remember, everything we remember when wi-fi was, was invented we remember insult. when this became don't drag me into this <laughs> <laughs> but you know, do you guys remember at all what I'm talking about? Don't like, drag whatever, me into this. For whatever reason, we we got to a certain age. We got to a certain age. We started using that word to like. I don't yeah, know. middle school. Yeah, but it wasn't. School. It wasn't in in a way that like gay people are bad. It was more like, oh, that's stupid, or no, you're stupid. You I know? didn't use that word. I used fag. 
That was the word in my school. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Yeah, I mean, I made my mistakes. People. I, mean, I was mistakes. a saint when I was a child. Yeah. Yeah. I never said any of these things. It's because Jack was mute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> Jack was mute. Bald. I didn't talk until the age of 13. That, uh, facts. Dude, no. my psychology professor told us the funniest story, and it was about like his nephew, and he was like eight years old. And he like never talked. And it was like his way of like teaching us about like these developmental processes in children. And so he goes and tells a story, and it's like, oh, well, one night we were all having dinner at my, you know, my, my brother's house, and uh, we all sit down, and, uh, you know, Jimmy looks up, and he goes, this food is terrible. And everybody just kind of looks around, and they go, well, do we, do we tell him to stop? Because he doesn't really talk. Do we encourage him to keep talking? But we don't really want him to talk that way. And so his dad cleverly goes, Jimmy, why, why haven't you said anything until now? Jimmy responds, well, everything was fine up until now. Yeah, we were doing good. Everything's okay, Dad. Yeah, again, I am sorry if any of this offends you. Um, But we're just gonna be honest. Like we used language poorly when we were growing up. You learned all the words. I learned all the words right away, and I couldn't help but try them out. But I know all the words. I know the best words. Tall jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Ben, did yeah. we send you that? No, in, no, no, you didn't. You read it for to those me. Those who like want want to know what this is, they someone had a bot out there read all of Donald Trump's speeches or like a ton of them, and then no, yeah, they made him watch like ten hours. It's of it like too. Um, it's so it's many. So hours. It's like a hundred. Like an it says, I powers. forced a bot to watch over one thousand hours of Trump rallies and then asked it to write a Trump rally of its own. Here's the first page. <laughs> and it just it starts with President Trump. I just had a phone call with the economy. Jobs poured out of the phone. Great jobs, tall jobs, Steve Jobs. All at Kinkos. All at Kinkos. All at Kinkos. And then it goes, the crowd cheers. It is full of real Americans. Man with hard hat. Man with a harder hat. Gun that is alive. And then it goes, President Trump continued, the United Snakes is doing so good, other countries are on fire, all the people are on fire, hot fire too, not us, our flag is so beautiful. Dude. Oh my God. And then I have, this is my last bit, it goes, President Trump, I signed a bill, no more swamp, swamp gone, swamp is in Mexico now, it's on fire, great deal for us. So I don't know. It's it is absolutely hilarious, and there's like an entire three pages of it. Can you send that to me? Because oh my god, it was one the of my friends. Thing I've ever read. Um, she either met him or she was at the rally and she sang the national anthem right next to him in uh, Duluth at the Trump rally. Did Oof. did he did he hear her sing it and then he went, wow. <laughs> No, Owen Wilson did. Wow. <laughs> Owen wow. Wilson. Wow. 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 <laughs> Get your soundboard out. I think we got a new piece. Um, uh, I'll have to learn how to do that. <laughs> I got to figure it out. Koi has been bugging me half to death to do the very powerful. And you know how we both we both know how he says it. I don't want to say it the way right. he says it. But he, he wants to do it. He wants to be that guy. And uh, he wants to make sound effects for me. And I, I, I don't have anything to record it to. You know, I don't have a board yet. I got to download the equipment or actually get physical equipment. But... You know, <laughs> The persistence is admirable, you know. 
Sometimes, you know, that's that's what the most successful people have. Oh my god. That was that Bob was so funny. I send that to me, please. Oh my I'm on god. Right now. Steve Jobs. That's Steve that's Jobs. the part that kills Steve me the Jobs. most. Steve All Jobs. at Kinko's. All of Kinko's. <laughs> Oh man, well, I feel like that's where we should leave it. I think we I should think leave it with great, a. That's a great spot. That's a really uh, I I feel like a bot reading like it's President Trump is the perfect way to leave I mean, a podcast. I, I can't disagree with that because it's amazing. Yeah, no, I feel. Uh, did we f- not finish anything? Because or I, I feel like all tied up. In yeah, we were winding around a bunch. So I think we hit some good topics. Yeah, well, that's all. That's the I think hope. We had some fun conversations. Absolutely. No. Yeah, well, this is the first group one, so it's kind of fun to do something a little bit different. Because you guys know I've tried group interviews in the past, and I just didn't have the right equipment at the time. So one person would be talking How for like 45 you. minutes, and they wouldn't be recorded. Alex. Um, <laughs> 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 Love him. He was on the first one. But, have, our, uh, have our feeds been going this entire time? You'll have to find I out. We're going to find so, out. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. yeah. But the editor-in-chief? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do it all. Ben? Nah, I do it the all. Editor and Reef. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we need to stop before I make any more comments like that. <laughs> no, well, keep going. Cut. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me tonight. Yeah, I know thanks. it's yeah, thanks, a late night and everything. It's long days and everything. It's always fun. Yeah. Well, I know Dan and Logan will be joining me at some point for one on one interview, which sounds kind of sexy, but it's not. Oh, it's and then it's Jack, you were on episode two, so if you are you you come back, you'll probably shoot me a text. Well, it sounds like somebody's to responding to my podcast. So I yeah, no, I'm gonna wait for that before you come back. Make a response real to that, or you bring on a new topic and or we just leave it there. We bring both of the me and that other individual on, and then we talk about. We'll see both of our points. I would like to bring on. It's a fight to the death. Right? Yeah, because this no, is no, this I don't is a relatively no, I think new person. No, fun. fight to the death. <laughs> okay. Dan's going to wrap Send them to the Thunderdome. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I'm just going to give them a shield. One gets a net, one gets a spear, and we see who comes out like the old days. And then we get Dan dressed in a mane to be a lion to go tackle him. Whoever gets the Can I just wear a regular ref outfit? (laughs) No. You're going to wear like one of those. uh, My name is Doug (laughs) Dimadome. Doug Doug (laughs) Dimadome. Doug Dimadome. Doug Dimadome. You're gonna be dressed like uh, um, the ending of this the, podcast is like a Minnesota goodbye. <laughs> it 100 percent is. Not all about it. You want to know what's like really sad, Jonathan? You want to know what's really sad? You say Minnesota goodbye. We're all Minnesotans. I had Jonathan on last episode. He goes, "I think we should wrap this up now." Hour and a half yeah. later. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's I was still going. I cut it He'd short. Make thank a great God. Minnesotan. He he is a good Minnesotan. Yeah. But with that, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys later. Thank you for joining me again. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate you. If you have any interest in being on the show or reaching out to us, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at the Ben Griffin Podcast or at our Instagram page at Ben Griffin Podcast. It's the same both ways, so it's not that complicated, people. Thank you guys again. Have a good night.